0: Talking Tesla Talking Tesla. Tesla I'm not sure if like, my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator As they put rings on Elon It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm
1: I don't think we need to touch the steering wheel there Tom
2: Oh I'm sure there's some math So SpaceX, <laughs> here's the deal um, Landing a rocket on a drone ship is key. Charger, charger, <laughs> charger, charger. How <laughs> am char- I
0: only expected to drive a car without autopilot? Safety.
2: Charger, charger, <laughs> charger. You know, I'm not a good parker, yeah. Tom. I'll be in the first to admit it. Yeah. just think that this is a car company that is run by super, super geeks. System. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. To Tesla. You don't even yeah, have to remember
0: slow. that. You've got a Model X. I have seen the future, and it is light pole charging. Well, no, I
1: wouldn't call it a screw up. Do you like your Model X? God,
2: it's beautiful. <laughs> Well, uh, it's time for a Talking tester 186. I'm sorry I wasn't here last week, month, uh, semana or something, Mm. but I'm back. Mm. And you know what? They say it's your birthday. (laughs) da na 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 na
1: Happy birthday Mm. birthday to you.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Look, um, I'm excited to be back, but I'm only going to be back for about an hour or so because, you know, as much as I want to spend my birthday with you gentlemen, Completely unrelated. I will also
0: not be here for the entire show, so that's gonna. It it sounds weird up front. It's It's not my birthday, but I have. I have an an engagement. Are you
3: getting your tires fixed? An engagement at some point.
0: (laughs) I mean, we can Can talk talk about about that. that? Although I don't know, Joel, do you even want to hear my story about this anymore?
3: I something like twenty nine percent of the audience that responded to a poll said. They'd like to hear about it. Oh, that's good
0: for them. Yes, nah. I, have a, I have a solution. I have, uh, I have all of the information that one might want uh, to, to get to the conclusion of this very dragged out story, Joel.
3: <laughs> in, in three minutes or less. Oh, oh This guy's so bossy.
2: You think she's the guy in charge of the show? I like it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so uh, middle of the week, I called Tesla customer service. I talked to a lovely young lady in Salt Lake City. I don't think I will give out her name because who knows whether or not she's supposed to like be as helpful as she was, but she was wonderfully <laughs> helpful. She... Uh, and I were having a, a, a lovely conversation. She said, I told her, I said, I can't return the tire because I'm not going to have a tire. And she's like, well, yeah, of course you're not. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. How are you supposed to do that? And she told me that, so she made a note in my thing and she tried to, she she contacted the local service center manager. Uh, and then she's like, well, you might want to follow up and give them a call. And I said, mm, have you ever tried to call a service center <laughs> And she was like, uh, and she was like, uh, that's a good point. Let me take care of this for you. And so she took care of the whole thing. Long story, not so short at this point. They caught my, I got my tire put on this morning. I put the, they put the tire in my trunk. I drove it to the Tesla service center. There's a sign on the front door that says, the door was open. There's a sign on the front door that says, wait in your car. Someone will be out to see you. Uh, that doesn't happen, just so you know. They're not actually. Uh, I don't even actually think they were open on Saturday, according to some other sign hidden on a different part of their door. But there was a young man over in the service part of the service center, and and I said, "Are you? Is anybody here?" And he said, "Yeah, I'll be right over there." He took the tire out. I said, "Do I have to sign anything?" He said, "No." I took a, he took a picture of my VIN, and that was it. So over done. They have the tire. I have a tire. Finished.
1: So that I was finished. really You're like welcome. not very dramatic. Tom
0: that was well I mean the nice thing about it is that Tesla service customer service personnel did an amazing job they did what they were supposed to do there was never any question there was never any back and forth with her whatsoever it was just very cut and dry oh I see what the problem is we got you no worries
3: you know and you called customer service so so if somebody were to replicate this I did indeed I called main (laughs) Tesla customer service okay
1: you don't think that right. uh, they had like you pegged? Like, oh, did you hear what Tom said on that damn talking Tesla? We got to shut him up.
0: I have no idea. I just know that the customer service representative was a lovely human being, and she uh, is a credit to that organization, in my opinion. And if I felt comfortable giving her name, I would, but she knows who
2: she is. Wonderful. It's possible that they knew who you were because I know that when I was talking about the wavy lines on my Tesla, I actually got a call from the regional manor to ask sure. <laughs> to shut up. <laughs> I'm, sure,
0: I'm sure that was effective.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, it wasn't. You know what? The, how I fixed that problem? I got yeah. another Tesla. I mean, that's how,
0: isn't that how you fix most of your Tesla problems? Get new ones?
2: That's right. Get another one. Wait long enough. It'll go away. Hey, let's do the first uh, thing here because that was riveting again, as always, to get the, the tire update. I really can't wait for the next installment. because I'm well, There is no more s- installments. That's s- it. It's over. Oh. oh it's <laughs> I know, know well, Mel, you didn't it's read the notes, but ever. I did throw in after Tom's
1: tire follow-up that Mark from RPM Tesla sent me a couple of tweets. He said he couldn't believe that Tom didn't have the right gear to get his tire fixed. So what he wants to do is not help Tom, but he's giving us at the show three of the RPM Tesla tire repair kits that we can give away to like subscribers, Patreon subscribers. So don't bother with Tom, but take care of the rest of Talking Tesla Nation. So Mark has these really nice tire repair kits. They're actually nicer, he tells me, than the Tesla ones, I haven't used his kit. But not only does it have the compressor that can reinflate your tire, the compressor part comes with all these little like attachments. So like if your basketball's a little low or your soccer ball's a little low, you can pump those up too. It comes with this stuff called a tight seal, which fixes the flats that are kind of like a slow leak or a rim leak. And it also comes with a set of tire plugs, like tools that you can push like a memer into like what you have, Tom, like a nail or something in the tire and this goo and a plug and a thing to cut off the plug. And so it comes with all these tools, they sell them at RPM Tesla for like, I think it's 85 bucks, but they've got a 20% off right now. But of course, you know, if you're a Patreon subscriber, we're going to pick three Patreon subscribers to give a kit away to. And all you have to do is when you hear your name, email us your uh, address where you want it mailed, and Mark will zip it off to you. That's at uh, info at talkingtesla So Mel, take it away. Who are we going to give these away to?
2: Well, you guys are going to do it at you're, the you're end. You are, you are muted. i list of Dr. them there Irmer. for you. Oh, that's when mm, I do this. We that. know. Uh, trust me. Uh, <laughs> We, uh, you guys, can do it at the end. I've um, got a big list there for you. You can just randomly choose yourselves. Oh. Use something very scientific. That's good because now they have to listen and that'll to be great. the end. They have to wait. To, yeah, <laughs> oh. you don't give away the stuff at the beginning. Sucker no, And Joel, no. and you can't. You're use on the forward, list, the way.
0: but you get, oh, yeah. you don't get to win. Oh. sorry, buddy.
2: All those years he was a patron, <laughs> and he gets nothing for it. Nothing. Um, Okay, so first thing we need to talk about here is uh, the elections. Not my birthday, it's not the most important thing. So it is official this day, my birthday, that Donald Trump is um, not going to have a second term. Donald Trump took us out of the the Paris Climate Agreement, and that actually, I think, was official like the first day of November, I believe, somewhere right there. Um, So what does this mean, uh, Thomas? Oh, the 4th of November, thank you. So, uh, Robert, what does this mean? Are we going to go back in? What is the Paris Climate Accord anyway? Yeah, so this morning at
1: 846, when I was kind of rubbing the sleep out of my eyes and having my coffee, I thought, wow, Donald Trump is not the president. What do I most remember Donald Trump for? For leading the number one country, the country that produced the most carbon in history, the United States of America, pulling us, Out of the carbon of the Paris Climate Agreement, and you may you may remember this. It was got a lot of press. It was agreed upon in 2016. It's a agreement that was for almost 200 countries. I think there's now 189 signatories, and the goal is to keep the temperature from rising from uh, over the mean of two degrees Celsius. Two degrees Celsius. That's like 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit. And that kind of climate uh, temperature increase would be the cause of great devastation. And so the goal, and this is country specific, would be that each country agrees to its uh, list of requirements, and in total, uh, this would project to prevent us from the climate devastation. Uh, Many countries are... uh, like in the agreement, but really, if you look at the global carbon dioxide emissions, China is the leader at 28%. The United States is at 14%. The European Union is at 10%. India is 7%, Russia is 5%, and then it trickles down from there. But so you can see that this really matters for like the big five countries or or regions to reduce climate, Altering emissions. Um, you know, it's important for many reasons. Just today, I was watching this hurricane that's now about to hit Miami in the next few days, ETA, which looks like a monster. It's already done some supreme damage in Central America, and now it's swinging back into the Caribbean. So, I mean, like I that's a real world issue the strength and the devastation of storms. Uh, and so, It's just kind of ironic that when Trump said we were going to pull out of the Paris Climate Accord, the U.N. required a one-year waiting period. And it turns out that on Wednesday, this last Wednesday, the day after the election, was when the U.S. officially exited the agreement. I thought that was so ironic. Interestingly, no other country has left this accord. We're the only ones who've Who've, you know, gone back On our promise And in fact, China Has increased The amount of change that they Promised, so they're going to reduce Their emissions even further And Other countries, for example, there's a fund That the U.S. was the largest contributor To that would Help smaller countries Like especially island nations Weather the climate Change, and we pulled back like $2 billion in funding, while other countries like the UK, France, Germany doubled their pledges. So we really have egg on our face. Joe Biden promised to rejoin the Paris Climate Accord on day one of his presidency. And again, there's a one-month waiting period, a cooling-off period, if you will. And so (laughs) mid-February, or uh, February 20th, 30 days after the inauguration, we should be back in the climate accord. And I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to us following the lead of China by improving on our plan to reduce climate emissions. We had promised to bring the United States carbon emissions down by 25% based on our 2005 emissions. And currently we're on track for about 17% reduction. So wouldn't it be great if we could cut our emissions by half? Could we really do something substantial? And maybe, you know, not only restore the money that we didn't pay into that fund to help poorer countries, but increase it like the UK, France, and Germany. So I'm looking forward. This makes my day. And uh, lots of other politics aside, you know, this is really something that impacts every one of us some more than others, and it's very important looking forward.
0: And to sort of put those numbers into perspective, right, so you you mentioned 14% and 10%, and so 10% of the emissions coming from the EEU, that's with a population of about 515 million people, and we're at 14% with a population of only 328 million people. We're still at and China's at 28%, which is twice as much as the U.S., but that's a population of 1.39 billion people. So four times the amount of folks uh, with just twice as much emissions. You know, there's a lot of other factors in terms of the monetary aspect. A lot of people weren't aware of this. I wasn't aware of it until recently as well. China actually can get money from that fund. Uh, they're a, considered a development developing country under the Paris Climate Accord. I don't know if I love that aspect of it, but but otherwise, I think it's great. A lot of these other nations have doubled down and, and are trying to do even more than the Paris Climate Accord. We're starting to see countries ban ICE vehicles completely. I think in the U.S., one of the big moves that we need to try to figure out, And we need to try to figure out sooner rather than later, if we are going to get off fossil fuel and we are going to get off of coal and we're, we have to figure out how to give the million people who are working in these industries a soft landing. Like it has to be part of it or it's never going to happen. We can't just be like, this has to get shut down because it's just going to devastate communities all over the, all over the country. So like, There needs to be a thoughtful solution, and hopefully we will now have some thoughtful thinking towards that because it is at least on the table as a possibility.
2: Yeah, well said. So I consider the Paris Climate Agreement to be the minimum that the world could possibly do. If you ask the climate scientists, they're like, this is not going to get it done. This is a minimum, but at least um, everybody's sort of agreeing, okay, we've got a problem here. And that's why I think you're seeing people go beyond that, uh, Joel, I'm sure you know this, that there's some companies that have decided that they want to get rid of not only their current emissions, but all of the emissions that they've ever had. For example, I think one of those is Microsoft. Microsoft. They're going to go back and say, yeah. Um, So uh, what do you think about that? Is that the kind of level of uh, work we need to do?
3: Well, I'm encouraged by the fact that we're at 17% with um, the the current sort of pace of carbon reduction, but I think we probably need to double that, like Robert said. Um, so Microsoft is one that said, "Okay, we're going to get rid of our entire any carbon that we've ever produced or you know consumed." I guess, and I know that Walmart is looking to reduce their whole supply chain by one uh, gigaton. So I think there's, I think companies that are forward thinking are gonna are gonna help this, and I think the oncoming EV revolution. I think it's going to help a bit, too. We'll get pretty close to on this 2025, it seems like. But um, I'm interested in seeing what Biden and the new administration has to say in terms of infrastructure uh, and building infrastructure around green technologies. It, I've heard some things in terms of that they probably won't be able with the Senate not to be able to pass something that's called the, the, the Green Deal, the New Green Deal. But there may be things that essentially do the same things. It sounds like there's a car, there's EV credits and things like that.
1: Yeah, I don't think I don't think any of it is a perfect solution, right? I mean, everybody has uh, their own sort of bread loaf that they're trying to protect. But you know, honestly, to Tom's point, if somebody came around tomorrow and said, "Well, you know, there's a new AI and doctors aren't needed anymore. Why don't you go get a job?" I don't know. Uh, in a battery factory or something. That would be a, you know, I put myself in that position and I think, man, that would be so disruptive. That would be so destabilizing for my, you know, my life that I think I've kind of crafted over the past, whatever, decades. That's a hard thing. And they're actually, uh, we've got a story coming up, but I'll just jump in and say that when I heard, um, Joel sent this around to us, a uh, lecture on battery technology, where the VP of, Canasonic's uh, plant up at the Gigafactory, along with Tesla, she talks about how difficult it is to pull people into the factory to work because these are all people who are in the service industry. And when they get in there, they think, you know, well, is going to be a good paying job and it's going to be, you know, something new to learn. And then they get there and they see these machines and they're so complicated. And this is, this is not easy. And it bottom line is it's just not easy. But we don't really have a choice. So, yes, we need to help people transition. But at the same time, this is kind of like, you know, a world war kind of effort. No matter what, nobody, well, I guess there are going to be a few people who are going to be sitting fat and sassy. But for the vast majority of us, it's going to be difficult. And the other encouraging thing, although, um, yeah, I think it's encouraging, is that, you know, since the United States as a country hasn't been playing a role in reducing carbon emissions, how is it that we're at 17% reduction when, you know, we've opened up all of this mining and extraction and oil drilling and pulled off the plugs on all these pipelines? The reality is that the majority of this change has come from private industry, municipalities, and states who have all been continuing to work, right? In places like, you know, the the left coast and the east coast. The the change for uh, reducing carbon emissions has not really been tempered that much. And that's what's really held us in uh, sort of a running still. So if we could get the government to move along and do the same thing with uh, some guidance when it comes to Uh, deforestation or mineral extraction and pollution and carbon emissions in that respect I think would be a big thing, although a lot of people depend on natural gas, and I think that's a huge problem. We talked about that in just, uh, I think, the last show or before.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, Mel, to go back on your point about the, you know, scientists saying that the Paris Climate Agreement doesn't go far enough initially, like the real point was to get as many people on board as possible. This is sort of what I've read about how, how, how it kind of came about with the hopes that once the ball was rolling on all the, all these countries working technologically to solve these problems, that they would find new and more innovative ways to even go farther during the course of the agreement. And, and we have seen that right in a lot of in a lot of places we have seen countries start the ball rolling and be able to exceed what they wanted to do in Paris climate court or or make decisions again to to ban ice vehicles by a certain date to try to meet those to meet those goals and those are those are very disruptive i mean to see a country and we talked about this to see a country like germany have have a ban to ice vehicles coming when the automotive industry is just like I don't I mean it is Germany in a lot of ways right it is sort of like a huge part of German identity is is their auto industry and it has been for a very very long time and for them to be able to do that and not for us not to hear a massive amount of uproar about it means that like they believe in it and they're they're working on they have leadership that's helping them s- like understand how important it is and has a plan to do it, right? And that's what we need, leadership to tell us how important it is and a plan to do it. Joel,
3: your thoughts? There's a, a study that I was just looking for um, that looked at um, the cost to get get the U.S. to, I believe it was around 70 to 80% renewable. And uh, the number was 1.8-ish, something like that trillion dollars um by you know this was a trillion by 2035 a lot of money right um what the study also sort of indicated was is around 72 billion a year is given to fossil fuels for subsidies and i haven't done the math but uh and i was told there's no math but that gets us really close (laughs) to that number essentially so just pull the subsidies yeah, uh, uh, and, and there's other ways that we can do that. I know that Chevron and Exxon actually had told Congress probably three years ago that they were interested in doing a carbon tax. Um, and maybe there, maybe there would be some interest for car, for a carbon tax to sort of get everyone thinking in the same way that, you know, what can I do here? Okay, if I'm paying this extra tax, well, maybe instead of getting a gas stove, I get a induction stove instead. Um, but there's you know there's many different things like that, um, but like like we said, uh Google, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon has a like a two billion dollar fund. We're moving right in the right direction, and I wouldn't be surprised if we hit that twenty five but I think that twenty five percent reduction, but I think that we need to do a lot more because from what I remember reading, I think we're still at that one point five Celsius increase even with following. Uh, the Paris Accord. Yeah.
2: It feels to me like we're in a um, f- politics aside, subsidies aside, money aside. We're in a race with technology versus the planet. Like the technology is really going very fast. Solar, the cost of solar is dropping, dropping, dropping. Uh, batteries is dropping. Uh, Density is going up. Elon's building these things um, because you can't just turn off fossil fuels tomorrow. Only the most crazy people on the left think that. I mean, it's, you just can't do it. You have to transition, but we have to have those transitional technologies. So, um, like Elon's, like, uh, can I have some help here? We need a hundred gigafactories making batteries. Uh, we need to continue to work on fracking uh, hydrogen from water using solar. And then how do we store that hydrogen safely? So it seems like we're on this giant race. It's not all politics and it's not all subsidies. It's like, could we do it tomorrow without you know significant improvements in technology? And one thing I would say about some of these numbers, you've got to be a little bit careful about these because, for example, um, Australia's carbon footprint isn't very high, but it sells a ton, an F ton of coal to China to burn. So that gets over in the uh, Chinese sort of um, part of the ledger and not in Australia's. Same for some of the Scandinavian countries. Oh, look, we are basically close to zero because we use all of this renewable energy while they allow all of this drilling off coast and they sell it overseas. So some of these numbers are a little bit bogus. But it is also impressive that it was just a few years ago, and maybe because I'm old, a few years is 10 years ago, that China just passed America in total emissions, CO2 emissions, and now it's twenty eight percent to America's fourteen percent. What? That happened first. Yeah, I mean,
0: but they're also they're changing their entire. You know, they, they we went from an agrarian society to an, a major industrial power powerhouse, and 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 we haven't even really seen India do that yet, right? Like, so it is that that, and that's the issue, right? As as all of these very large, heavily populated countries start to to become industrialized nations they really we really need the 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 stuff in place because if india starts being a gross polluter uh you know on the level of china or on the twice as level uh, of the united states then then really all of the work that the, the those nations will have done would be basically zeroed out by a new nation you know adding to that and and we can't sit here and say you don't have the right to become an industrialized nation and pull your people out of poverty and and have better health care and access to clean water and all of those things like we can't do that we can't just be like sorry we nailed it uh we started earlier now you're screwed enjoy your huts for the rest of your life like we just that's not re- realistic it's not going to happen
2: that and yeah, it's so true, Tom, and that's why it's really important to be in the Paris Climate Accord, and it's really important for the U.S. to spend more than anybody else because total global emissions is the U.S. It has been the industrial giant for a very long time, and and that's exactly what India and China were saying. That's not fair. You don't get to burn everything, build up your giant economy, and then tell us we can't do it. Um, you need to uh, pony up. That's just not fair. You can't. And my guess
0: is the U.S. owns. A high percentage of China's emissions by its by its thirst for goods, right? Like, I mean, China's
2: <laughs> my iPhone <my> here. <laughs> right. I don't know
0: what that number is, but you can bet your bottom dollar that some of that twenty eight percent is on our ledger. Yes, Jola.
3: Yeah, I. Um, I mean, what my hope is is for countries like because India is pretty close to the population of China, but they're seven percent, and as they grow, um, the hope is just like folks who went almost directly to cell phones um, instead of having a landline. The hope is is that they go directly to uh, solar or wind or something more uh, renewable and skip over the coal part.
0: If the capacity uh, is there, right? Is the global capacity to make panels enough? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that it is or it isn't i'm just saying that we know that like the one big giant solar plant we built recently in this country in buffalo and maybe that's not the only one you know didn't do so well like in terms of its overall output so it's not as cut and dry as as we would like it to be so you definitely need to put some effort capital into solar panel which probably isn't super sexy for a lot of people at the moment right
2: but I think this jumping the technologies that Joel said is really true. If you go to Kenya, I go there a lot. And, yeah, they just completely skipped. Like, you have a landline? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah. They do everything via cell phone. They have this thing called MPESA, which is a way of buying and selling goods, which is far mm-hmm. better than anything we have here. So they just skipped all of this stuff and got better technologies. And India is already um, talking about the fact that solar is so cheap. And if they want to get distributed energy out to a billion and a half people – There's no way they could build the infrastructure that the U.S. built over 100 years. They have to do distributed energy, and solar is so inexpensive, that's the way to go. They've also seen in their big cities like Delhi and stuff that you can't just pollute the place, it makes it unlivable, and the same with China. So I'm hoping that Joel's right, they'll just skip over straight to renewables because they're way cheaper, way more distributed, and in the end, cleaner, we can hope.
0: As long as there's not subsidized American companies over there going like, "Hey, we can build you a plant for real cheap," because you know it's like it's the it's the the service model. We'll build you the plant, but then we gotta sell you the fuel to run it.
2: <laughs> but solar has become so cheap; it's like it is so much cheaper than anything else now. Solar and wind to produce electricity. If you add in storage, it's still a little competitive with uh, um, gas, but. I think that's going to be But that's the thing
0: really is fast. like how do you build storage for India, right? Like again, the sun goes down in India just like it goes down over here and and if you don't it does, yeah, it's it exactly does? the same kind of a situation. It goes <laughs> it's a little bit at a different time of the day. But yeah, the sun the sun goes it down. Happens so on the half hour. If you don't fix if you don't fix storage, then how do they, You know, like if you're sitting there, how do you make those decisions? So you're not going to build power plants. Oh, I'm just going to fire them up at night. That's not how it works. That's not how the economics of that works. So that's a you know I think you yourself sort of identified that key point that you know uh, of like how do we got to build this? Tesla is like we can only make three teragigawatt gigawatt hours of batteries if we get everything right right and and so who else is doing this and yes I know it wasn't the right word everybody's smirking at me because I said terawatt giga hours <laughs> I did it funny, for fun we
2: <laughs> yeah well the storage can't be uh, everybody has a battery in their house that's not going to happen for a long time Um but there's a lot of ways to do storage. We've talked about, you know, you can take giant heavy things and pull them up giant heavy mountains and that's a tremendous amount of energy and you can do pumped hydro and you can do, you know, pumped uh, gas and I still think that hydrogen actually has a huge place here. As you, you know, it's the amount of energy density in hydrogen is way, it's 50 times higher than a well, lithium-ion battery. You go,
1: you go. The people live um, outside of the egregiously consuming United States live much more economically, uh, be it Bolivia or Kenya. In many of these places, they're, they're not like running uh, 70-inch screen televisions and microwaves and all kinds of like high-consuming air conditioning units all the time. I mean, like here, it's really, like Tom was saying, it's kind of outrageous. I, have a, um, I was at a friend's house for my dinner a couple weeks ago, and like all the time we're sitting in the backyard eating, The two, there's like two neighbors and they're like, their air conditioning units are going on and on and on. And I couldn't believe it. It was like 67 degrees out. It was not warm, but I was like, why are there air conditioning? Oh, well, he's an old guy and he just leaves it on all the time. So that's not happening in many of these places. So I don't think those folks And at this point in time need all that storage like we might need here. And so, you know, my hat's off to people who live outside of the United States and who actually live more economically. And I think that the transition to renewables will be a lot easier in those circumstances. And with that in mind, it turns out, and I threw this, I had this story on my list and I just threw it in because, Mel, you were talking about Kenya is that Kenya got its first Model X. It was on November 2nd, Kenya got, uh, and there's a picture uh, at Mr. Albie, A-L-B-I-E, shows a Model X Kenyan license plates in front of his house and says, uh, this has to be the first Tesla in Kenya. Um, And uh, it turns out, I guess, that the energy supply in Kenya is quite clean. I think 93%, according to this article in uh, Clean Technica is uh, 93% of Kenya's generation is from renewables, be it hydro, utility scale, solar, wind, or geothermal. So that's just a quick shout out to Model X in Kenya. High five.
2: That is pretty cool. Yeah, if you go to Nairobi, you can look over the hills and there's uh, wind turbines everywhere. It's pretty cool. But you know, Kenya is a great example out in the villages where they burn just a lot of wood, in the houses to keep warm and cook food. And so there's the constant smell of burning wood. And there's a lot of health problems from that, lots of inhalation of smoke. And um, But a couple of solar panels and a little bit of storage. Now the kids can, they can study later at night and stuff. And you, like you say, you don't need much storage if you've only got a couple of LEDs you need to run and uh, stuff. So yeah, I love the idea of distributed energy. In fact, every time I'm there, I'm like, I know an African guy, his name's Elon, And he needs to put a couple of these gigafactories in Africa because they desperately need that technology. But it's not, you know, I guess you go and sell it to the rich people first, like a Tesla. Make the really expensive one first, and then trickle down those profits. So I'm hoping maybe they can uh, use
0: their uh, Climate Accord money to buy uh, to build a gigafactory. Exactly.
2: Hey, there's something happening with Cybertruck that we should all be very excited about. So I don't know who wants to do this uh, little discussion to lead us off, but Joel does. What are they going to do to the Cybertruck? (laughs)
3: So there's there's um there's a combination of things here. Um so we remember after the cyber, cyber truck was re- revealed, Elon had said, Oh well, I think we're gonna reduce the size about six percent or so. Um people were saying, Oh, I wanna fit it in my garage, yada yada. Yeah, Although I don't know many people that Yeah, and maybe for Europe and whatnot. Uh on Jay Leno, um in, in April, March or so Uh, Elon again sort of said, yeah, we want to try to do about 3% uh, smaller. Uh, But then again, Elon said, well, you know what, Uh, after looking at it, the the truck doesn't look just right if we make it a little smaller. So we're going to keep it basically the same size. Uh, Fast forward to now, I guess. Um, Elon tweeted recently that he believes that uh, uh, there's going to be some small tweaks to make it look better. But uh, and the truck will be much better, uh, but didn't really give any indications. Uh, he said recently uh, that he would be revealing something in about a month. So about a month from now, we'll see that. But there's been some other news as well with the Cybertruck. Um, uh, so that 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 sort of news came from Tesla Roddy, but it was also in Twitter and in and, and some various places Uh Ride the Lightning uh, with... Uh, what's Ryan's, Ryan's last name? McCaffrey. Yeah, Ryan McCaffrey. Uh, he had a, a little bit of a scoop from a Tesla engineer uh, that said the Cybertruck would not only get that 500 miles that they were thinking, but would get over 560 miles. Uh, and when they first started uh, uh, with the truck, they hadn't fully gotten the technology down with the... 4680s and the battery tech so they knew about what they'd get but they weren't sure and that's why they put essentially 500 plus um but uh he's hearing that they're looking at about uh 560 a little bit more even and they're trying to get that range so that when you tow it it will still be a beast and should get over 250 to 300 miles even if you're towing
0: Joel so remind the listeners which battery is the 4680 is that the one they're currently using is that the new one on battery day?
3: Yeah, so that's the very new batteries that Elon and and company revealed uh, a month and a half ago or so. Um not in any cars just yet. Uh they're they're building up batteries on in um Fremont at Cato Road facility right near the Fremont factory. And it's suspected although we don't know for sure, but Probably the semi, um, the uh, the plaid model S, uh, and uh, the first uh, Cybertrucks are going to are going to get that new battery, the newest technology. So the Cybertruck will get the that forty six eighty form factor. It's a bit larger, five times the energy, six times the power. Um, so potentially, you know, faster charging, but we'll we'll start to learn that. We also learned that uh, from this source uh, with Ryan's source, some Ryan McCaffrey, uh, that the steering wheel will be uh, changed from that uh, that sort of uh, trigger type steering wheel, sort of half circle steering wheel, which I've always heard is illegal in the U.S., at least from a, from a production standpoint. Like you could, Tom, change yours out and put, put that kind of steering wheel on, but the manufacturers can't do that. And it sounds like it's a concept, and it won't it won't take place. Um, and then turn signal activated cameras will be part of this as well. And whether they do end up getting rid of the side mirrors or not, that's still a question. It's still law in the country, um, but at least they'll have turn signal activated cameras, um, which will show up in the the center console. And if you remember, uh, the Cybertruck has a seventeen inch diagonal, I guess, um, center uh, MCU. So that's going to be something to look at as well. And then the last one, which is probably the hardest one, to to, because there wasn't much details on it, but they said that the firmware is going to blow people's mind. And then when they talk about the firmware, they're talking about some of the things that the truck could do. So let's say I'll switch to another manufacturer, Rivian. With their firmware, they are probably going to... Do that, um, the tank turn so being able to turn in one place and be able to spin and and turn the car. Um, for example, um, is this like crab mode
1: you're talking about?
3: Well, like the Hummer does something called crab mode, which, where, um, if you imagine the car is pointing straight, it can actually sort of turn at a diagonal. I'm not exactly sure why you'd want to do that for off roading. So it's like,
0: yeah. like if you're about to hit a rock and you need to move and you can't really go back because of the the, the angles okay. or something else, you can kind of move a little bit forward and sideways at the same time. And I think it is different than than tank mode or whatever and crab mode yeah. are a little, uh, a little bit different. But I did have a question about the turn signals. I didn't want to interrupt you, but since I have the floor. No, it's all good. Um, I think for me personally, if I'm turning left... And that's activating a camera on the center console. Again, I don't know what the console for the Cybertruck is going to eventually be. I wouldn't want to look to my right uh, to to see a a, a a display when I'm making a left turn. That that just feels very unnatural to me in a lot of ways.
2: Because you're not a gamer. Yeah. You won't be you won't be looking left to right. You'll just be looking at the the screen the whole time because the car's going to be doing the turn. <laughs>
3: So I do kind of agree um I know Audi has small little screens on the corners sort of like where you would naturally look but that's this is the mode that at least uh Tesla's going at the moment um and we, we don't know about the mirrors I don't know if anybody's remembers back it was um last summer the uh NHTSA um uh had a A public survey about whether mirrors uh, could be replaced with cameras.
1: Down
2: with mirrors! Down with mirrors! I don't know. Maybe. But but you haven't stated why because they take a standard mirror increases drag by at least five percent. It's actually a huge amount. So that's why they just want to have tiny little cameras instead.
1: Or just the camera in the fender, like we have now with all the Teslas.
3: So so Tom. um, knowing some of the changes that might be available with the the Cybertruck, is this something that in interest you or are you still more considering a rivian if you were to buy anything
0: no i, I i'm definitely I, I like to see i'd like to not have to make a decision until at least there's a few options out there i guess in some ways i'd like to see the rivian and kind of what people are doing to support it how it's actually working on the outside, I still lean, you know, for all of the reasons that we talk about on this show, sort of ad nauseum, I still always lean to Tesla because we know the charging network exists, right? So, like, if I'm going to go somewhere, I know that there's going to be a charging network. I know it's going to be pretty darn reliable, and I know it's going to charge pretty fast and that they're continually working on it. And it's also something that Tesla is taking responsibility for as of as opposed to all these other companies who are sort of like oh is is electrify america going to build one where i need it or or are they going to are they going to you know you go to a place and tesla builds 15 supercharger stations or 16 supercharger stations Electrify America is putting four in, and, and and as more and more of those other vehicles come online and need them, you're gonna. You think the lines at Tesla are gonna be long with with massive amounts of supercharging, and and then how fast are those other chargers gonna work? So there's still a lot of factors. I still lean very heavily towards Tesla, just in term of the charging.
2: I um. I just. I want to be a Baptist right now. Preach, brother. <laughs> Preach, because it's all about. It's all about uh, the charging network. Still, for me, that's Rivian can have a great car. That Hummer looks really interesting, but uh, it's all about the charging infrastructure, and that's the ace in the hole that Tesla has. And they're years ahead. So, I just I just wanted to say, preach, Tom.
0: Thank preach. you. Thank you very much. But it's a it's a good question, and I guess the, uh, my I, my guess is if I asked the four of you, I would know that that would you'd probably get the exact same answer uh, that that Joel pose like Rivian Hummer bolt I, I don't know the Bollinger doesn't really count because they're never going to make that car <laughs> at, on any at any no. quantity at any quantity let me finish my sentence Robert before you freak out <laughs> they're never going to make that car at any quantity that's going to really have an impact and, and and that alone and plus it's not going to have an airbag so is that thing going to be at all street legal in any way shape or form and as far as the uh the government goes
2: yes well let us talk about model three before um there's a giant fight here in talking tesla and it's you know nobody wants to see that model three got a refresh model x got a refresh um and i think tom has to leave us bye bye tom you're leaving
1: tom bye
2: um right right before before do you want me to say
0: do you want me to say goodbye or do you want me to just leave i don't know how you want to
2: No, no, you can just go. That's so rude. The people were just so upset with with you.
0: Well, I have to go. Um, My guess is that you people will be talking for well another hour, and uh, maybe I'll leave my recording going, and I'll just come right back at the end. We'll see what happens. Oh, nice. Go
1: for it. And we'll just pick up all of the background noises where you live. I'm curious to hear your cats, what they say when you're gone, what they say about you.
2: So uh, who wants to tell us about the Model 3 refresh and the stuff? Because we, I know, have not talked about this enough. And it's really... Well, I think the most
1: important thing is that I think that Tom's story about picking up a friend who's having dental work is all bull****. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to be here for this story. To hear how the Model 3 is getting better and better because he has, (laughs) like, whatever, number 400 of the Model 3s. And it's, it's, it's getting old. It's kind of developing wrinkles. But the new Model 3 is gonna look a lot more like the Model Y. They're deleting all of the Chrome. Uh, It's gotten a, well, just go down the list and we can all just, like, yippee-ia along the way. This started October 15th. Uh, We have a significant range boost, which was all over Twitter. You've probably forgotten by now, with good reason, but I think it's really important. The standard range, uh, jumped from like 241 to 263, the long range, which is a big jump, the long range 310 to 353, the performance 2. Just stop there. Do not go
2: 353. That. Three. that is enormous. That's even better than 420. That's a more than 10% increase. <laughs> That's amazing. A 353-mile range in the yeah. Model 3 now. That is wow, huge. Yeah. I mean – Come
1: on. That's crazy
3: good. Is that enough
2: for you, okay, Mel? I'll continue on.
3: I mean, that's yeah, really, really good.
2: It's. I mean, I, I have a, I have the same sort of Model 3 as uh, Tom, you know, like number 12 off the off the lot. And uh, it gets about 300-ish miles, 305. But 350 is like, well, that's about 50 miles. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, it's pretty impressive. They've changed the wheels. So now the wheels uh, are different on the standard as well as – uh, putting those, I think they're called Uber turbine wheels on the performance model. It's a pretty slick wheel, and that's like a nice little upgrade. The, you know, you're not going to get a yearly refresh on Teslas. We've talked about this time and time again. They just incrementally increase uh, the performance or the features, and rarely do they do any significant refreshes. You know, we've talked about the sort of unicorn Model S refresh. Still. Don't know if or if ever that will happen. Uh, But now on the Model 3, this is big. They've added a power trunk. So the trunk is going to be like the Model S and X and the Y. So you can open it up with your phone uh, or just click the button. that's just underneath the tail there and it'll pop open on its own. There's, uh, like I said, the factory black trim is now standard. The center console has been designed so that there's no longer this uh, tray that you put your cell phone in that covers. It's just like an open uh, an open sort of like a dish that you can set your phone in. Now, there's a built-in Qui uh, charger there. So you can just have your phone recharge, which is really nice. I had uh, I'd gotten from Mark at RPM Tesla, one of these charging pads that goes into my Model 3, which isn't even a year old. And it's a really handy feature. Um, there's a, uh, yeah, I put that there. There's, uh, no more USB ports. There's USB-C, right? USB-C. That's right. Now it's USB-C. That's right. There's actually five of them now. And, uh, one is going to be included in the glove box with, with a USB drive for sentry mode. So it's like they're taking care of a lot of these sort of aftermarket tweaks that everybody would sort of go for. Um, now they're kind of coming with the car. They're uh, changing the climate system. So they I think have added the, is it called the OctoWeb? Octobottle.
2: I think that's it.
3: Uh, Octavalve.
1: Octavalve. Uh,
3: Oct something, right?
1: Oh, it's a, yeah. That's we got a story coming up on that, which is really kind of cool and confusing and I'm glad I'm not talking about it. The the they've put all these like, like different finishes satin and the sill plates and the seat controls are now dark. And you know, it's like, there's metallic scroll wheels and the exit buttons on the door look like more like, Oh, I should push that to get out the car instead of lifting the little latch, the emergency latch, which would mess up your windows potentially, or your, Mm -hmm. your trim around the windows. So they've done a lot of nice fixes. According to someone in Sweden, they've increased or improved the soundproofing, which uh, I don't really hmm. notice it that much. And I've considered getting like a whole bunch of soundproofing added to my car. Um, and I might still do that, but it sounds like they're already addressing that. Um, and maybe it'll have a heated steering wheel. I haven't seen any updates because this has been sitting in our uh, article box for a few weeks now. But it I should have- be, yeah, okay, what? Well,
3: yeah. And it, um, it is, it is confirmed. Um, I don't remember where I heard it from uh-huh. uh, maybe electric or, or something, but it's definitely, it's confirmed now. And so
1: now, uh, is today is November 7th that we're recording in another week. These cars should be hitting, uh, owners, uh, as being delivered. And, uh, I look forward to, you know, hearing more joy from folks who buy model threes and enjoy these uh, upgrades.
2: So of all of these things, um, the thing I, I think they're all great little updates and stuff, but it's the it's the range that's got increased with the same size battery that continues to blow my mind. This is a improvement in efficiency, and Elon. And uh, his friends over there were saying um, that's how you really increase the range. You can always throw a bigger battery in, but that's not where the magic is. That's actually not the most cost effective way to do it. The most cost effective way to do it is by tweaking efficiencies. So, making the octagon way of making (laughs) the heat and the cool really efficient is good. Uh, Having better um, motors, doing all this stuff, and you see how they've improved the efficiency over and over again. It's really, I find this. Although I'm not an engineer, I find this absolutely fascinating that they could do all this. Yeah, it's all
1: this attention to detail that keeps Tesla just continuing to pull away from the other automakers.
2: You know, when you have a Model 3, which has over 350 mile range, and then there's a Porsche Taycan that barely gets 200, it's like, uh, they're just, when people say they're three or four years ahead, that is a huge market advantage. Uh, Again, when I ask people which car, they're like, how far does it go? Can I charge it? The stuff that people really care about is still range anxiety, and Tesla is not yet, but getting close to absolutely destroying that range anxiety for everybody. Just saying.
3: I think the other thing um, with this article that's really interesting, other than the range, because you're right, the range is important, is all these things collectively. um, There were aftermarket... Accessories for all of these different things almost all of these different things. How can I get a, a, a wire to put my USB in my frunk? Instead of somewhere where somebody can smash and take it away um, the Qi charging um, the uh, The USB po- more USB ports the little stickers on the door so people don't pull the emergency latch That just shows that they're listening and they're making changes. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that the car came out so additional what 50 40, 40 miles range or so 40 to 50 miles range and all these other things that's just that's really good yeah
1: with the usb
2: port that's the little stickers yeah with, that's the key with the, the little stickers yeah
3: but it's like they're listening though and they they know <laughs> it's not like they're just heads down and they're doing their own thing these are things that you know mark was selling is selling i bet you know what i mean and now they have they put a lot of these things in. Yeah,
1: and, and as well, there, the most recent update that I've received, I'm not a beta tester for the new full self-driving, but with the latest uh, le- uh, update that I have, uh, with that USB plug in the glove box, and you can put your drive in there to record all of your security cameras, the glove box now locks... So you can't open it without the code that is the same code you basically can use for like, um, Appended the, yeah, the valet mode and such. Okay. So that's yes. a really nice little addition.
2: Well, I think they've been listening to Sandy Monroe, and now they're listening to everybody else. Cause Sandy Munro is mostly about, you know, the motors and the this and the that, but this is the little, the fit and finish. And that Qi charging, it's the stupidest little thing, but it's so nice to be able to just drop your phone on there and have it charging while you're going somewhere. Stupidest little thing that is so useful.
1: So I have to ask this one question, Tom. Does this make you want to buy a new model three?
2: Well, let me just tell you, mate. Uh, <laughs> I'm very upset about this. I can't do Tom. I don't know. No, do he's it. not
1: Australian, and he's not Scottish. Hey.
2: Yeah, no. Yeah. No, he's not. Could I do South African? I just, I can't do a Tom accent. It upsets some people, but um, you know, you, it, this happened to Joel famously. There's a big jump in technology the day you get your car, and you're like, that is very upsetting. But this is going to be the way it is. They just continually refresh it. So if you like all this stuff and you buy it, there's no guarantee that next month they're not going to add something else. At some point, you have to enter. Is it
1: all refresh? Is it all future-looking? I mean, now you can get AM radio back on your Model S. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> not, not bad
3: I, I wish they told me before i uh you know um decided not to take back the lead <laughs> so maybe, maybe that would have turned it turned
2: it over
1: for you me You could have listened back on to uh you know baseball being called on the am radio in your model s yeah yeah that was
2: can you take us through somebody take us through the history of this because i don't know what happened here i don't know when it happened But my wife was saying, there's no FM radio in my car. I'm like, don't be so ridiculous. And apparently there isn't. Yeah, no. First,
1: uh, when I first got the Model S in 2013, I think 12 or 13, yeah, 13, there was AM and FM radio. The AM radio was horrendous. It was so bad. And I kept taking it back in. At the time, I wasn't listening to music on Spotify, or there wasn't an Apple music, I think at the time, or maybe there was, but you couldn't stream it, but whatever, there wasn't a great uh, variety of news and podcasts. And so they kept Mm -hmm. saying that the, the AM radio sucked because of interference from the electrical devices within the car, the big battery, et cetera. And then- Is that what you heard? Yeah. And that they did, they would not put an antenna on the car, period. You know, AM radio depends on antennas more than any other. And so they refused to put any antennas on the car. Uh, and I never saw anybody add an antenna to the car. And so then this, this stuff just dropped by the wayside. But now, so yeah, first AM went out, then FM was lost. And now, I guess, again, because Tesla is listening to some of the, I don't know, um, I was going to say old people, but I don't want to say that because that's kind of insulting. But it, because of some of the old people, they've decided they're going to add back a module. So if you have a Model S or X and you have upgraded your car from the MCU1 to the MCU2, that's the master computer unit, you can get AM and FM added on. So not only do you pay 2500 bucks to get your older Model S or X upgraded, so you can play Cuphead and watch Netflix. You can also pay another 500 bucks on top of that to get uh, your car upgraded to be able to listen to AM and FM,
3: (laughs) or downgrade. I don't
1: know. I mean, it's I don't know. If it if it floats your boat, then go for it.
3: I mean, I think they should have gotten FM in there. Um, uh, Um trying it to is, remember if mine it's has
1: AM, AM. FM and uh and Sirius.
3: no no i'm just saying if they could have gotten the fm in the 2500 oh. i think people would have been fine with that yeah, well. um my my neighbor got uh what a 2017 model x and she was really concerned about not having Sirius. And I was like, you know what? You can stream any song on your phone, anything in your car at any point in time. No, not even I mean, just in her car without her phone. Okay. And and you'll never miss it, not once. And she hasn't complained about it again. So I do think it. Uh, I, I've I've read sort of the uh, most of the what people sort of the pundits in the podcasts and the YouTube channels, and they are all sort of slamming Tesla for this five hundred dollar thing. But I just don't think people need it. I I just...
1: Well, you know, with two AA batteries, you can get a radio on Amazon for $17 that gets not only AM, but FM too. And it even has an antenna. It's beautiful. It's slick. It's black. Just buy one of these things for $17 and, like, put it in your cup holder. You can have all the AM you want.
2: Yeah, that's... (laughs) Yeah, I, it just looks a bit silly when you spend $100,000 on a car and it doesn't, doesn't have a radio. radio. Yeah. Now, like, I don't listen to radio anymore and all the radio stuff that I do listen to is available other ways. But I can get the, the the concept that sometimes you put something in there even though you're like, eh, we don't really need to do that. But it's just still we're at a point where not having an AM FM radio. Like if you go to the drive-in and they tell you to tune to the FM station – Oh right. no. I can't go to the drive. Oh, Come on. That is a
1: modern the That is a modern yeah. conundrum.
2: Mm-hmm. So see? see, you can't take your Tesla to the drive. Amazing.
1: Back Come to the on. future.
2: Oh wow. Yeah, that's a
3: big deal. Well, th- th- there's one use case. And um the only other use case I heard people talk about is in some emergency situations, it's better to have uh, it's better to communicate via You know, AM or FM, you know, like you talked about uh, Hurricane Etta coming into Miami, which is... This is an
1: announcement uh, of the Emergency Broadcast Network. Right. (laughs) Yeah.
3: So until they kind of get that done for your phone or for something else, that's still important to some people. But, and yes, Mel, yeah, if you're spending 75, even 50 for a car, maybe you should really have it. Mm -hmm. But it is what it is. I was
2: kind of like when they... They took out Homelink, which oh. is that you know, mm-hmm. ability to open up your gate in your garage. And they just it just disappeared. And then I got my car and I didn't realize, and I wasn't smart enough, that you had to add it on for 300 bucks. Yes. So I got my car home and I'm like, why can't I make the gate open thing work? And then I realized, oh, I didn't pay for that. Now, they'll come out and put it in for you. But I did what you said, Robert. And I went to Amazon.com. And for $5, got myself a nice little clicky yeah, device. Well- and that's because you're great. smart
1: so i didn't i went and paid the 300 dollars within a week of getting my car <laughs> because i wanted to be able to just drive up not have to fish for the damn thing and have it open everything up
3: it seems magical yeah it does but mm-hmm. is it really
1: needed no uh,
2: no no, no so, but it does it is cool in my wife's car that it magically opens and closes yeah so you have the wife
1: car envy the-
2: yes i do What's up next?
1: Tesla's going to come to India. So we've gotten an unofficial Kenya Tesla. Now we have Tesla officially going Mm -hmm. to India. This is because Elon sent a text, I mean, a tweet to some fans at the Tesla Club India. And he confirmed the intention to sell cars in India probably in January. They're going to release an order configurator. So another two months from now. And uh, they've been talking with the government to set up an R&D center. And it sounds like that's already kind of pretty far down the road. And if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Uh, You know, engineering and the South Asian subcontinent go hand in hand. And if they could pick up, you know, a hundred thousand engineers by opening up an R&D center and maybe a manufacturing unit, they're already looking at Bangalore. So it looks like uh, Tesla's gonna have a presence in India in short order. That's exciting. So, it, it, um,
3: on the shareholders' call, the thing that Elon talks about the most is he says, "Hey, if I could spend, we have this money. If I could spend it wisely, I'd, I'd spend it wisely." And it sounds like they are going to do that with the with the stories from last week about twelve million dollars. But one of the things he said he would do is he, um, if he can find able-bodied engineers to help him. Uh, with all this, all the things that he wants to do, that's what he's looking for. So I think the key thing here is R and D center. Maybe we'll hear an announcement about a another gigafactory. But I definitely think with 1.2 billion people and uh, India is um, has a lot of a lot of great minds. We're going to see a lot of folks from India working for Tesla. I, I know he'd like them to work for a SpaceX, but he can't because of uh, government ITAR rules, but uh, he he um, he's gonna have them wor- Try to work for for Tesla and I think that's gonna be the key people talk about the largest car markets in the world China has uh, about 21 million cars every year sold. United States has about 15 million uh, Europe has uh, about 14 to 13 million um, and then the number f- uh, Well Japan's right there at like 7th or something like that, but India's right there as well. So um so they're like 5th if you look at the, those groups, right areas. top 5. So you, you yeah. But you
2: know where it's going. So and it's, it's also be exponential. Right,
3: and it's also hard to import into India, so there could be a uh, there there is a strong chance that he would build there. They are also buying a ton of solar in India, and some of the cheapest solar prices um, in the um the wholesale market and like the um when there's these large bids that are done, the cheapest prices right now are in uh in india for for solar so I know he's licking his chops um metaphorically speaking uh for battery storage um in india so i I think this this is really exciting and interesting, and we're gonna have to see how that this all plays out yeah.
2: Yeah. As you said, um, one of their biggest constraints is engineers. And India 20 years ago realized that what they need to work on is intellectual property, intellectual um, universities. So they have entire universities just churning out engineers. And guess where they've all been coming? Coming to the US, coming to Australia to fill the demand that we're not filling. And now um, they'll be able to do it themselves. It's like you can get trained here in India and then there's going to be a, a job that pays incredibly well in your hometown. If they're It's a perfect setup for that. A lot of people have talked about here in the US about our problem with manufacturing and stuff. And one of the biggest problems is that we don't have enough engineers. And so uh, if I'm Elon, I'm looking to where the engineers are. And India is one of those places. That's where they live. That's where they train. Yeah, this
1: sounds like a win-win situation all the way around. So I'm so sad that Tom isn't here because I put this story in about Tesla full self-driving torture test. Of course, there's lots of people 20 or so, I think, I don't know, Joel, you may know the number, who got the full self-driving data and had been streaming videos. And so this fellow, Joey Klender, uh, through Tesla Roddy, drove around with James Locke. So I know James because he's one of the members of the LA Tesla Owners Club. He actually runs the club's Twitter feed. And uh, they went for a drive around this torture test that they devised that was like from a street into a uh, big apartment complex parking. Uh, it's not a garage. It's just like an outdoor parking area that had these weird, like, you had a veer and there were big drainage, like, I don't know, what like a drainage canal that kind of runs through the thing that makes your car go down and up. And then speed bumps and turning corners and people parking kind of all over the place. Like cars sticking out too far because it's a truck. And then another car coming from the other. It made me kind of nervous that I would drive it if I'd never seen it before. And the full self-driving went through it. And I don't think, I think they intervened at one point And that was when they were approaching the end of this little torture video. And so I just thought, That impressed me. It impressed me significantly that the car is able to do that.
2: You said at the beginning, something at the beginning, there's only 20 people that have the public Yeah, yeah. I think it's
1: around 20. Yeah,
3: Yeah, I've heard 20 to 25, like a really small amount.
1: Yeah, then I I didn't feel so bad. I thought it was like... I didn't feel so bad that I got got, uh, passed over on this.
2: That's very conservative. So 20 people, you can really lock that down.
3: And I, yeah and yeah. they it sounds like they're uh filing well you heard the 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 interview i had with kim uh paquette uh she said every couple days or so she'll send an email to tesla telling them th- uh, things that they thought that she thought worked really well things that didn't work so well um and but tesla said hey you know what if you uh, if you want if you ta- videotape it show it to anybody you want that's that's good um try to keep it positive for the most part but definitely show folks and uh, she feels like they're listening because she's seeing things that she's talked about and she knows other people are talking about go into changes that they're seeing and it's not a so uh, it's not coming down as a download that you have to approve in some cases Um, it sounds like the model for the ai is actually getting changed even without uh, a physical update uh, so, like, you know, what, what are we on now? We're Robert? talking about background. You know, your version numbers,
1: right?
3: Yeah. So, so, like, um, um, are we ten point? Mine is at. Uh, a...
1: mine is at twenty twenty. No, this is wrong. Put down thirty. No, I'm in the forties right now.
3: Yeah, it's it's in
1: the forties. I think I'm
3: forty point yeah, eight. But you know, the traditional way to to essentially say, okay, I'm gonna well, traditional for Tesla. I'm going to download my, um, uh, this update. There is that going on and there's been a couple that they've gotten, but most of the folks believe that you can also, um, that they are also sending updates to the neural network engine as well to, to sort of, um, update how it works in certain situations. Yeah.
1: And you know, just last night on my drive home from work, maybe I was hallucinating. Maybe I was really tired from a long shift. But I was sitting at a stoplight, and literally a stop sign pulled up. I don't know if I can get that any clearer for you guys. There's a stop sign on a stick next to my car, and that's the first time I had noticed that. And sure enough, I look up, and there was a stop sign. I was like, what? But then I went to get myself an In-N-Out burger at a drive-thru, and there's like an In-N-Out sign in front of me there. And the car where I'm pointing in the picture is showing a trash can. Hmm. So, yeah, so um,
3: it's funny because, um, you know, like when you're little and uh, you, you don't know everything that is around you, you think it's something else like my son when he was really little. If he just saw a circle on a building, he would say that was a clock mm. because that's all he knew. Right. right? And this this A.I. in uh, the the FSD sees everything as either a cone or a trash can. Yeah. So it's not much different than my, my two-year-old son.
2: Nice. Well, your two-year-old son was doing exactly the same thing. He was training his AI, and then he got trained by the other AI, Dad, saying, no, that one's not a clock, that one is a clock, and soon he starts, I mean, it's exactly the same right. thing. yeah. Um, and that's why they're going to take over the universe, because they're eventually going to be smarter than humans. I'm just saying. Hey, I'm going to actually uh, take off now because it's my birthday. I'm going to go do something more interesting. <laughs> it's been a pleasure spending the last hour and a half with you. Everybody
3: tweet and Mel and like... say happy birthday when you when you hear the podcast. That would be nice.
2: <laughs> and it looks like you're about uh, one-tenth of the way through the notes. So I'll, I too might like go and come back in six hours and just uh, finish off with <laughs> you. You guys are you. still here. join you.
1: back in. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right. Ah, but it was a pleasure. Thank you. And uh, I'll talk to you all soon. Have a good birthday. Oh, yeah then
1: i pulled up these uh two twitter strings from elon talking about the fsd this was already again like um a couple of weeks ago but we kind of skipped over it where elon was saying once again uh reiterating or doubling down that the full self-driving will be able to go coast to coast it will it will be able to park your car without you in the car it will retrieve you after the car has been parked and he'll be able to drive places. And even if you're on the other side of the country and somebody asked him, what, what does that mean? Are we going to go back to that snake charger. And sure enough, he tweeted using the automated solid metal snake charger, which we saw way back when, and I thought that was a very cool video, but I had no idea that it would be, you know, like practically used ever. But it sounds like some version of that, if not the exact thing, is coming back. What do you think about that? I think it's just so prone to vandalism. And there are places where people just don't like Tesla. In a lot of places. Right,
3: exactly. Yeah. It reminds me of, yeah, so, like, I live in
1: Santa Monica, and there's lots of lift scooters. And uh, there's like five different versions of these automated electrical scooters that you can just... Log into with your cell phone Jump on it Zip five blocks away to meet somebody For whatever, we're not doing it that much anymore But I used to use them quite a bit And they were super convenient You don't have to think about them being stolen And locking them up or anything But if you drive around at like 2 in the morning Sometimes I do when I'm coming back from work For some reason people just They just take out their frustrations On these little scooters And I'll see them strewn across the street And You know, like they're nice, Mm -hmm. they're people, this is their business. They are being paid to gather up scooters that need to be charged. They charge them up. They put them out nicely in designated places, like alongside the sidewalk where it's not obstructing a bus stop or a crosswalk or a business. And people will come by and they will just literally like dominoes, kick them all over. And so I would worry that somebody's going to come up to this snake bot supercharger, and they're going to, uh, you know, like bash it, bend it, break it. And that would be really sad. Of course, they could do something, Tesla, to the snake charger, because if you remember it, it's got kind of like a metallic, uh, articulated uh, structure that it kind of bends and such, but it is metal. We were talking about the Cybertruck, and maybe they could just put a little electrical jolt in there if you start... Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because um, part of that
3: story um, with the um, the Cybertruck was uh, Elon joked that it, you know, it could zap somebody if they touched your car when they weren't supposed to. And I want one of those mugs too.
1: Yeah, 250 uh, kilowatt of flow, or 350 if they really jack up the superchargers like they're talking. No, just that a little little
3: so shock. Bad. You know how scared yeah. you, how scared would you be if you got shocked? From something that you know, it you know well, if you know kilowatt hours or or, or kilowatts, excuse me, two hundred fifty or more kilowatts, and it just gave you just a little shock, like you know, just a little jolt. It's not like something you know, 24, 48 volts or something. Just a little, z- z- yeah. You 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 wouldn't touch it, it,
1: but it sounds funny. Of course, the reason I
3: asked is um, there was a. Um, there is a consortium trying to get put together that's doing wireless charging. And it's not induction. Uh, it's another technology. Um, I saw initially saw it uh, showcased on Undecided with um, uh, Matt Farrell on YouTube. Um, and it's a Boston company that's putting it together. And essentially, it's just, it's, there's no moving parts. And it's they're purporting it to be very efficient. I don't know it. I doubt it's as efficient, even though they claim as such. Right. It's efficient as plugging something yeah, in.
1: Copper to copper is but pretty darn efficient. E-
3: yeah, but if it's pretty darn close, and maybe you have a chance to make it better in the future, and there's no moving parts, right. and a car can just drive up to it, I feel like that's. I don't need that in my house. Right. I think that's a waste to have it at a house. It's so easy. You get out of the car. You just make it a habit. You click it in. Boom. You're done. But in public places, so Tom talked about light pole charging, you know, I think the future would be something that had maybe, you know, in those same spots, but just right there you pull up and it communicates with your car, it gives you exactly what you need. Well, maybe,
1: maybe this is something that's happening, I'm just sort of hypothesizing in the background, or I'm speculating in the background that Tesla, you know, the supercharger team has been working hard, and we'll get to that in a minute to produce superchargers for us humans, us meatbags who need to back our car in and get out and plug the thing in and do all of that manual stuff. What if the supercharger team is already hard at work in looking for parking lots in, in malls and places that are off the beaten path that like you or I might not feel at all safe going to? Some dark, dank, out of the way place mm-hmm. and install thousands of these induction type chargers. So the cars right. on full self-driving, they just slip into some like garage opening and 45 minutes later, they come out charged. And maybe there's even so, a cleaner so, down there to clean the exterior of the car, but this is all for right, exactly
3: Right, right, yeah. So um, there's a, a YouTube channel. I feel like you just watched it. Um, I I think it came out today or yesterday. Um the Now You Know Guys on YouTube. Is that the father and son? And they talk yeah. Yes, the father and son. They're in the Boston area. I should like stop by and say hi once uh I don't know. have well, to just invite um, folks
1: to a party. Come party with us.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah, when this once this COVID thing's over. And they, they basically thought that um Drew and Elon were sandbagging by saying we're not doing vehicle to grid um and they felt that you know if you have 20 to 40 million cars on the road at some point that those cars would be used for grid stability as well and they may park in places where you know it, it might be unsafe or it just might or they might park in the cheapest part of town or the you know the where it might be dark you know where whatever else but the car just goes and gets a command maybe there's not these are robo taxis at the point and they partly be robo taxis and they partly be grid storage on demand units that could also help the grid at some point i'd love to us to talk about that but that sounds almost like what you're talking about But i just don't see the snake charger doing it i realize it's a little bit more efficient and i do believe efficiency is king right in this case though this just a little bit like me. if it's a, like, if it's like 2%, come on, Elon. Yeah. I don't
1: know. I, don't know. I mean, Which like
3: way more, uh, way more. The, for sure.
1: when I went to a couple of Tesla, uh, meetings back, back in the day, uh, these induction chargers were trickle. They were barely, they weren't even level two. You'd get something like 12, 15 miles per hour of charge, maybe. And if you didn't park your car exactly over the trickle charger or or over the charging pad, it changed dramatically. Almost like how you have to position your cell phone over the Qi charger just right. Because if you're off by, I don't know, three quarters of an inch or an inch, boom, it stops working really well. And so it's, yeah, this is, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Tesla or other technology companies solve this problem and uh, that's what keeps me coming back
3: so what about this dojo this dojo thing yeah
1: yeah I threw this in because I was just I've heard about dojo a whole bunch I didn't you know I know the concept or at least I had seen the movie The Matrix where they throw in a program called dojo in which neo and Morpheus, This is where, like, Neo gets his first taste of how to, uh, you know, work within a new paradigm, how to twist reality, and it's a fantastic, you know, section of the movie uh, The Matrix. And uh, that was from 1999, and as Mel had said, his and my favorite movie. And so people are talking about Dojo, and I thought it was some sort of a training uh, construct in which, the Tesla autopilot could train, but now I'm actually kind of confused and thinking that the, that Dojo is actually the latest version of autopilot that is in this full self-driving beta that we were talking about a little earlier that went to 20 or 25 uh, members of the Tesla community. Do you, do you know much about Dojo? Well, a a little bit.
3: So Dojo, uh, you know, yes, um it it evokes the um the matrix, but it is a Japanese word um that means uh, place of the way, which is very deep, but it's about training essentially. What? You mean there's something um,
1: that came before the matrix?
3: <laughs> no, it yeah <laughs> for sure. But for Dojo, Dojo is a, is centralized. It will be um a very, very large computer scale computer so there's peta and then i think there's exa after that so that's billion trillion quadrillions of operations per second and it's it, it would be one of the fastest computers out there but it's a it's using different sets of numbers so it's not truly the fact it would not truly be the fastest but for what they need quadrillions of operations per second to basically take in video and train a new model currently from what i've heard it takes over a month to retrain a model for uh for autopilot when you say
1: a model you mean each car uh, so yeah or so, so a version of software.
3: yeah so there's a to go up a, a step higher and i'm gonna get way out of my knowledge base here go but for it. um a neural network you train a, a something called a model it's basically how the car reacts to the world around it, okay? And uh, what they generally have are human annotators to say, okay, this is a trash can. That thing, it kind of looks like a tree, but just call it a trash can too. And this is a trash can. And these things, these different types of things can move in different ways. If it's a person, the person can move in these kinds Mm -hmm. of ways. If it's a car and it's pointing in this direction, it can move in these ways. And they do that training, but then, as we know, there's all these edge cases, all these different edge cases that they know, um, you know, let's say they're at 95, 96%, but they need to get to 99.999, or even further. And they're building an automated way to train their neural network engine, which is, it's called the model essentially. And once they build that model, which ends up being numbers, of how to sort of handle everything. They send that back to your car, it's pretty compact, and then your your car is now learned from the entire fleet. So
1: Dojo so, is a massive computer, super powerful, that is taking probably all the information from all the Teslas that are out there and retraining another version of autopilot that they can resend out to your car. But the, all the thinking actually happens. On the car, it's not like you need a network connection to send all this no. stuff to Dojo. No.
3: you Well, so in, in The Matrix, that was one of them, one of the movies where they could plug themselves in and then be a master at karate or be a master at driving a helicopter or doing all these different things, right?
1: Right, like jumping from building to building.
3: Think of it like that. Like, the car is pretty good, but it doesn't know how to do roundabouts in italy because everybody in italy does this or it doesn't know how to handle new hampshire in the snow and what if tesla has 200 cars or 300 cars in the snow in new hampshire or in the snow in other places they can take things that they've learned and then apply that and then send that back out to the car and then all of a sudden it becomes that much better of an expert in the snow and it's I wouldn't call it a, a new version of autopilot. What I'd call it is a small iteration, but those small little things are extremely important. It's, it's like you go from a 16-year-old driving, now you're a 21-year-old and you've had a lot more experience. And then eventually, over time, it becomes like a, uh, well, it, it, the, the analogies die, but it's almost like you're 200 years old and you've had 200 years of experience driving, but you have the reflexes of a 20-year-old.
1: So, so that, yeah, so you can be like That's Neo. what they're getting
3: to. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And as yeah. Neo learns to fly and bend spoons and, and whatever. So
3: it's a common misconception that your car learns. Your car can remember certain things. Like, for example, if there's an obscured uh, stop sign, mm-hmm. you, know, you, you go around a corner and then it, it's sort of a surprising stop right. sign it will remember that and it will store that in memory, but it won't learn something new like, Oh geez, I made a mistake on this roundabout. I'm not going to, I'm not going to make that mistake again. That information has to go back to the Tesla and the dojo essentially. And then the model gets refined and then gets sent out. And the the piece that I didn't mention was it's like, I think it's over 30 days now uh, how long it takes for them to retrain that model. Uh, but with the exascale computer, it sounds like it's going to get down to about six hours. Holy macro! Yeah, and so it's a it's a large. Um, it's again, I'm pretty sure exa, and someone correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure exa is quadrillions of um transactions per second or calculations per second. Mm-hmm. And Elon, geez uh, in August was really talking it up. But he believes it will handle, you know, an exaflop of uh, which is floating operations per second, and be able to really train their models really well. So, So in this thing, it's something coming up, and and some people think it might even be happening now a little bit. I was hoping that they would use the old uh, chips that they took out of the of um, you know what was it hardware two, and then gave you hardware three or two and a half. I thought I would hope that I was hoping that they'd use that hardware to build this mm. but they're built uh, it sounds like they've actually built a chip as well for this. Wow. They're really iterating.
1: So, so as this thing is as this thing is rolling and they're mm-hmm. like retraining it every 6 hours then or not necessarily every 6 hours but we could see the versions like my car right now is 40.8 so tonight when I go to bed it could be 40 point nine and then tomorrow when i'm having dinner it could be 41 or it could just keep going like that
3: and did you see the tweet by elon where he said that um he thought uh and hopefully i get this right because it's not in our notes but i i think it was something like every three days they could retrain the mod um send out a new model to people so it's I think at this point, um, either you'd have something on your screen that would say, "Yes, send me the newest model," automatically without me updating, or yeah. they just do it anyway. So, like in some cases, like say if somebody comes up with some visual hack of FSD, like something where they make it drive somewhere where it doesn't, it's not supposed to drive. So I like feel like they engineer. would. Somebody. Yeah, like yeah, somebody, somebody. No, I'm not talking about a bug, but more of a some way to trick a car they could i feel like they could easily still send that out without you having to accept that but Mm -hmm. um you know just for safety's sake and i think that's going to be something that we'll find out about but i did ask a few of the people that have fsd beta right now and they all believe that models were sent without an official clicking of a button Right. Um, just the models but not like new ui and things like that that was still you have to push interesting so it's interesting times for sure and um i'm definitely excited and but you have you have fsd though right so maybe you might see that december maybe christmas
1: fingers crossed it'll be great hanukkah maybe hanukkah. yeah we'll see solstice okay i'm on the solstice uh that's my that's my day okay All right. Well, going from one uh, clarification of a confusing and fairly thick and heavy Tesla detail. And that was your topic. I know. So you have to do this one. No, I don't. But heat pump, (laughs) what the hell? You know, here in California, uh, we don't know what the hell heat pumps are. I'm not speaking for the entire state, just 99% of it. But on the East Coast, or in the cold climates like the, the North, the, the Midwest, I know people hmm. use heat pumps in their house, but this is like heat pumps on steroids.
3: Yeah, it, it does sound like that. Um, so now the we know the Model Y has gotten heat pumps or a heat pump in the car, and uh, the Model 3 is also getting this as well. Um, and that's part of, I think that was part of some of your updates. If not,
2: yes. let's add that
3: one in. It's yes. definitely true. And there's a really great article uh, in inside e v s and they also link to a youtube thing and, we, and hopefully we can send give the, these notes. they describe the heat pump as the system that conducts thermodynamic arbitrage from a finite source thermodynamic sources and has the ability to augment those finite sources <laughs> It's kind of a mouthful, but essentially what they're doing um, what what heat bumps do is concentrate um, heat and then and then bring it to a new area right. And so um, even if it's cold outside, especially in California, when it might get cool, um, maybe it's forty degrees Fahrenheit, which is you know about five or so Celsius, you there is still heat in that until it's absolute zero, there's that when it's absolute zero, which is super cold. Then there's no heat, but yeah, essentially there's still a little absolute bit of heat. Zero, man. My <laughs> yes. my, my
1: my puffy jacket—it just doesn't work very well at absolute zero. And my socks, a disaster. So
3: I know you've traveled to places that get cold, but what's yeah. the coldest that it gets where you live?
1: Uh, here in Santa Monica, like uh, a quarter of a mile from the ocean, uh, maybe I don't know, forty-five.
2: Yeah, it's okay. pretty
1: mellow here. Yeah, I that's... have I have been in some extremely cold places with windshield factors that dropped me below zero and a famous story of my son wanting to experience, I think it was 11 degrees. He took his jacket and his shirt off and he stripped down to his, his shorts and stood in like 11 degree weather when he was, he was a teenager and I took a Mm. video of it. And one day I will probably Shame him greatly, and I'll post it, but I still won't do that because, yeah. It was pretty yeah. funny, though. It was very funny because, I don't know, people just don't realize when they don't live like where you are, where there's snow, that cold is really cold.
3: Yeah, and and so there's been a lot of cars. Um, now, the Y and the 3 get have this, but the S, my S definitely doesn't. And it so with electricity, the not the most. I'm going to say the most efficient way to use electricity is heat. Um, And there's a you know resistive coil that will get warm, um, and that will give you about you know 99 to 100 percent efficiency. What what's interesting about heat pumps is because they're stealing heat from one place and putting it in another is effectively you can get three to four times higher then that hundred percent efficiency it's because you're stealing it. It's not really, you have to sort of look at efficiency differently, but it's a much more efficient way to heat. And part of the reason why Tesla is seeing higher efficiency and range numbers for EPA is they're doing, there's some tests that require heating for one of the, the test cycles. And there's one that requires cooling for these test cycles. And the heat pump is helping in both of those areas, and that's helping with the range, um, and that's at least one of the things that's happening. But sounds like magic. Um, yeah, but uh, essentially, though, um, when they talk about the system that conducts thermodynamic arbitrage, it's determining what areas of the car need heat and what need cooling. Um, so, is it the mo? You know, the uh, this is connected to the motor, to the battery, to now your FSD computer, to your cabin. Um, and I'm probably missing something else. Did I say batteries? It's deciding where the heat needs to come from, what needs to be cooled, what needs to be warmed, and it's doing all of this with the octo valve and the heat pump together.
1: It's funny, and this is yeah,
3: it's giving it great range. Go ahead.
1: It's funny because again, this feels. I mean, I, I kind of think of myself as a fairly smart guy, but this just feels like a couple orders of magnitude above my peak grade. It seems like it's magic. And I can imagine, you know, back in like the dark ages when somebody did something with chemicals and they created like a flash bomb or something, people were like, oh my God, that's a wizard. He obviously is, you know, possessed. And I sort of feel that way with this too. It's, uh, it's kind of, it's crazy. I love it, it's awesome.
3: So, the best way for folks to understand a heat pump is to think of a, a refrigerator or an air conditioner. so your air conditioner is cooling your space, but if you were to go outside and put your hand next to the um the air coming out of the air conditioner, what is it what does it feel like? It's actually warm right and it's actually pulling the heat out and and moving it somewhere else. So a heat pump generally is an air conditioner in reverse. That's the easiest way to understand it. Um, your refrigerator is a heat pump and it pushes the heat that's inside the refrigerator out to your house. Right. S- super, super simple. I mean, s- you know, simple enough anyway. And, but the, the beauty of this whole unit is that it's able, uh, it can, it, it can heat, keep your house or keep your, the cabin warm, even in temperatures down to, uh, I think it was around negative 10 degrees Celsius which is, you know, about 10 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, and, and my wife and I had an experience where we were trying to get to, uh, it was one of my first sort of range anxiety things. It was, it was raining, but as soon as the rain hit your car, it froze, this was in Maine. Uh, the temperature was about three degrees and we didn't know if we were gonna make it to, I think it was Augusta we were going to to get to the, the supercharger. Now, the, the great thing about, at least, um, I think Tesla's for sure, is they, it knows exactly how much energy you're using, and it knows how much it'll take you to get there. And so, what it said is, stay at 65 or lower, and you'll get to your destination. So,
1: you, so you set it to 55? <laughs> I, so,
3: I, I, yeah, I did a little, yes, of course, because <laughs> it was my first time, and we got there with, uh, what was it, like 13 miles thirteen miles to spare. And, but it was, it was using, it was using a lot of energy because we were mel- we we're trying to melt the ice off the windshield. The car was really cold, and we I kept it down cooler. Um, but all that's most of that's gone yeah. um, with with the heat pump. There's something like 15 modes of heating and heating and cooling that the system can do. It's trying to, like I said. Regulate temperatures between all of the different heat sources that are there in your car. Right. So if you're cruising down the road um, and going pretty fast, you're probably going to have plenty of heat to keep your cabin warm. Mm. Whereas in the past with an S or an X, and even the three, if it's cold out and you're not sure your range number, you're you well. What people used to do was just turn the electric heat seats on, but keep the cabin really cool so that they knew they'd get to the destination. But you know, as Teslas get more pop uh, popular, l- less people are going to be willing to do that sort of thing, and uh, and we I think we've heard that uh, Hyundai was using a heat pump, um, and maybe another company too, and Tesla really sort of um, shocked Sandy Monroe for sure, and, right. and how efficient the heat pump was, what the radiator looked like for the heat pump because it kind of looks like a radiator that you'd see on a on a computer. And Not on a in a car,
1: um, I just remember it looking like this, like off white, milky colored, kind of weirdly shaped piece of plastic.
3: Mm-hmm. And there was that something was, inside of
1: it.
3: You mean the, that was the um, the super bottle, right? And the octane, um, but but that was that was a model three that he was really impressed with, right? Which had the oct uh, the the super bottle, but. Then he pulls out this octavalve and he's like, This thing is amazing. And, you know, right. What is he from? Is he from Detroit? So he's got sort of that accent. (laughs) I I guess I'll have to start to pull out my accent since Mel's not here. Yeah, we got to work. But he's in love with it, essentially. And, uh, you know, we don't necessarily have to go through all the different points of this, but essentially it's coming to the three. And I would be willing to bet um, that by September next year, we'll see this also in the. SNX, and and we definitely will see it in the uh, Cybertruck.
1: Yeah, I wonder how much them considering putting this newer tech in the SNX is just pushing them closer to the threshold of jumping in to a real large refresh, not just like stickers on the door or color change of the Chrome, but I mean like a real significant change.
3: Yeah, I mean... uh, so you, you had two S's and you have a three right? and why did you go to the three and would you have gone to the S if it was, I think right now the long range is around 75 ish. I mean, not with FSD for sure. Right? right. But
1: yeah, I think, uh, the main thing that drove me towards it was, uh, was probably two or three things efficiency i was really sold by the increased efficiency of the model three because i could with a smaller battery uh, and it's a smaller car get farther uh, which gave me more range and range was definitely an issue you know especially since we all are kind of like still unsettled as to whether or not we should charge to 80 percent or charge to 90 percent and We shouldn't let it go below 20%. You know, it's like already there, you're eliminating up to 40% of your range. That's jacked. So having the extra range was important. In fact, I realized that when they came out with the longer range, 200, I'm sorry, 353 range model three, I was like, oh, that's too bad. Oh, well. And the other was, um, was the newer tech. I wanted, I wanted, you know, the most up-to-date autopilot, even though, my last model s i could upgrade the computer right they've still sent me that offer i have to figure out what i'm going to do how (laughs) how am i going to angle on that one
3: yeah your junked car
1: yeah can i can i take tom's car in and use my uh my ticket and get them to just put the thing in feel like we could do something yeah no i'm gonna i'm gonna work if you're a
3: tesla engineer out there could you send us a anonymous email on what we could do with that fsd computer yeah since since you know he's already it's rightly his right yeah could, for sure. give it to somebody else or, i bought it i don't know. I, know I know i know it's that's that's what i'm hoping i'm hoping that um people will be able to transfer but we'll, we'll, we'll see how that all works out
1: we'll see it's interesting i realize that you know a lot of the hassle in this stuff like putting am and fm radio in the car like who really wants that How many of those $500 kits are they actually going to sell? And how many uh, engineer hours did they have to pull from some other project that is really important to create that? So the same thing goes for dreaming up a system and all of the, the variabilities in giving people autopilot for those few of us who bought it and then their car is no longer. Ah, it's, but it would be, it would feel nice for me as a Tesla supporter. So those are, I think those are the main reasons. I liked that the mm-hmm. car was vegan, didn't have any meat, any any hides in it. I thought that was pretty okay. clean and slick. Um, are you vegan? I am not, I eat meat every day, but uh, I try and do it responsibly. So all my meat comes from uh, you know free range farms and they're all-
3: And reclaimed cows?
1: No, but uh, I, I don't waste. So okay. yeah, I'm trying to do it the right way. But the bottom line was, um, and mm-hmm. I also really love having the white interior. That is just so super slick. Yeah, I, even, nice. I even had... Uh, so
3: I, you're white on white? Your your car's white outside? It is. And even the okay.
1: center console, I had uh, Mark make this recommendation at RPM Tesla. And he put like a white finish on the entire center console from the floor in oh the back seat all the way up the front, even the armrest, it's just-
3: Can you post that on Twitter?
1: Yeah.
3: yeah Cause that look that would probably look really slick. I, I just think like like a blue car, red car with white interior looks awesome. I mean, but the white, I'm sure white on white. It's, and then you, you added this other thing. Yeah, it's like- That probably looks nice.
1: You know, it's like you dress up in a tuxedo and it looks really slick. Put on a white tuxedo. People will be like, Ugh! Yeah.
3: They
1: just, what? So yeah. it just feels like that. It,
3: Yeah, yeah. So the only thing I've driven the three, but you know, have the X. I love the width of the X, and it feels. So we drove from, we drove five thousand miles, Boston to Denver and Denver back. Didn't get it all the way across the country. Maybe in next year, if we have a a Tesla at that point, we'll do the same thing. But um, I do definitely like the width. But now that there's a three. So I got mine in 2016, now that there's a three, I think, or a Y, it's probably gonna be a Y, but although I like the Cybertruck too, but yeah. we'll see what, my, <laughs> see what my wife says. Yeah, the Cybertruck
1: would hold everybody and all your gear easily. Yes, I
3: know, I know. I, so I get to work on her, but
1: um,
3: anyway. Crazy so, stuff. So we have a couple more stories. You want to go through this gigafactory footprint one quick, and then we'll get to um, supercharging.
1: Yeah, I know, and I heard from Tom that he uh, he wants to come back onto the show, so he might be on any okay. minute now. But well, okay. I, yeah. I I yeah, thanks for this uh, two hour long YouTube lecture. I thought, damn, Joel is taking this up not a notch, more like five notches. There he is. Hey, Thomas, Thomas. we're just, we're just welcoming you back guys. We're talking about sustainable supply chain for batteries. And I was starting to compliment Joel, but really what I want to do is cap his knees for putting a two hour lecture that literally the first 30 minutes of it put me into a deep sleep uh, until the woman, uh, her name is I wrote her name Selena now. um I check yes
0: wait can we go can we go back to the Joel put a okay so so Joel <laughs> <laughs> you're you're new here but you're <laughs> new here buddy so sorry guys you put an article under batteries and there's a two hour lecture attached to it <laughs> and you felt
3: like we were all gonna watch <laughs> <laughs> no so 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 one is I've never gotten a um I've never gotten an onboarding thing. I should tell everybody on on the call. So oh, they just said, "Hey, a, Joel, can you join?" That's a
0: re- that's a really good point. You know what? I take all that back. So I, I, I thought it was only Would you like to respons- do that on air?
3: Would you like to do your onboarding on <laughs> well, air? We can make uh, it like a little side thing. But so <laughs> I just figured you put stories on that you thought were interesting and then you're just responsible for telling everybody about it and then if you know somebody wants to read it they do but i didn't really know what was going on with that so i feel like you i feel like you nailed
0: it so let me again let me go back i will tell you uh yeah like 2 hour lecture you should definitely watch those and you should definitely be the person doing the synopsis and just make sure you have If there's like a few minutes here and there that you think are like the critical points, we'll watch. We'll probably watch those. Uh, However, Robert's about to talk about the entire two hours. I have a feeling that's great. Will be
3: fun.
1: (laughs) I was. I I can just help. I was just going to say, you know, it seems Joel like you did know that there would be no (laughs) math, but what you didn't know is that there would be no chemistry.
0: Oh, there's, yeah, there's, if there's no, first off, I don't believe you can have chemistry without math. So if there's no math, there's for sure no chemistry. Oh,
1: but it's all that stoichiometry that's so tough.
0: (sighs) All right. Listen, doctor, (laughs) uh, I didn't, I don't have any medical or advanced degrees. So let's just use words people can understand on this show, please. Thank you very much. It
1: was good to hear this woman talking from the Panasonic perspective. I'd sort of dialed in on her, but you, you put this. You drop
3: the story, in, Joel. So you take it from here. Okay. So uh, Selena Miguaichek um, um and I put it in uh, phonetically. I think
0: it's Mikala, Mikalicek.
3: But she said it with. It's had a G sound. She did. Yeah. Okay. I played it like five Mik- times, so I got Miguicek. Mik- Mik- G- Mik- okay. okay.
0: Good for you. Good. Good for you for even attempting to get. Oh, the I right figured. The, yeah. Uh,
3: it, next time, if we can actually just say it like we know it like oh yeah drew Baglino, uh selena migujek yeah of course course. right so she is the uh, vp of uh, battery technology and engineering for panasonic north america and as robert said it was a two-hour video don't necessarily expect you to watch the whole thing but there were three presenters in this in this video selena was one of them J.B. Straubel was one of them. Yeah. And then a gentleman from uh, BASF was one of those. So for me, skip over him, the, the, uh, yeah. the, the guy from um, BASF. The unless, most interesting things were... Unless go ahead.
1: you're having difficulty sleeping.
3: <laughs> yes.
1: And like, you know, you could play that part and just kind of, like I did, have a little snooze. But they are... Big that that is like a big elephant in the room kind of company BASF when it comes to battery manufacturing
3: right like, and they are doing anodes and um, they're doing electrodes so anodes and cathodes so uh, for for battery manufacturers they they probably are contributing to Tesla in some way just because everybody was kind of Tesla related right? and they all knew each other they didn't say it specifically for BASF but obviously Selena is working with Tesla for sure. Right. Um, Some of the most interesting things that Selena mentioned in, in her talk were the planned expansion of the Gigafactory. There's a photo in our notes. Robert, how would you explain what you see in the notes?
1: Well, I remember when we first had the Tesla opening of the Gigafactory with a tour, there were just a few of the segments, right? They made them uh, big, big rectangles, A, B, C, D. Uh, in the original years, it was only, I think it was the building A and B, and then they started expanding out from there. But I went to the big factory, and that was, I th- oh, wow. think, 2016, when they first started, like, the equipment was literally, they had still plastic on some of it, But they were starting to make batteries and this building was it was huge and it was only um about 30 percent of the size that it is now but went through it and i remember the walking time took so long that they were really kind of pushing us along to keep going faster because it was such a long walk but it's an impressive facility and Man, I would love to see it as big as they planned it because they say at that point it would be the largest building built. So
3: I did a, a little measuring, and the current Gigafactory is about eleven hundred. Uh, hopefully, I remember this correctly. Eleven hundred feet long, and they're still they're still build, building on it. So it, the picture that she presented had uh, what the, gar- the current Gigafactory looks today, and they broke it up into what part Tesla controls and what co- part PENA controls, P- Panasonic Energy North America controls. Right. And like I said, she's the VP of battery technology. She worked for Tesla previously um, um, and worked with JB Straubel as well, so they had a really good relationship between themselves. Um, and uh, what we see though are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight segments. Uh- it's like one third, two third. I would say
0: easy math, right? One third Tesla, right, right. two thirds Panasonic, and Tesla's
1: basically just taking the finished batteries and packaging them into packs for the various cars, for power and for power packs.
0: I'll let Joel finish.
1: You may not have been going
3: that direction. Yeah, and so it's it's still continuing. And she did talk about how um, they, they still are planning to um, build it out. But what was lying underneath the surface was a little bit of the tension between Panasonic and uh, Panasonic headquarters in Japan, who doesn't have any factories that are anywhere near close to the size of this and this factory. Yeah. And so when they design a machine, they don't understand the scale of what's happening here. And they think, oh, we'll just add more machines. And she's like, well, you know, even for one machine, if the machine doesn't, um, you know, let's say it's something that injects electrolyte, the liquid that goes in the batteries, after about a week and a half or so, it needs to be cleaned out. So then Robert needs to go in in a clean suit and go in and clean out and spray out the whole thing and it's a pain in the rear um this is it's almost impossible to to do some of this um on the scale that they're doing yeah it's and so they're definitely. building machines right. to do that cleaning um and to make it more automatic or even building the machine so that they don't need to be cleaned and and that's she she, she didn't say say it exactly but under, underneath everything it was the underlying thing was is that they don't necessarily understand the scale um uh, for example if you're if you're having machines you're changing some lines she may not even be able to walk on the factory floor and see because um well here there's um there's uh what is that there's six different large buildings um that take up over probably nine eight hundred feet of um but they're also on three different floors. And so she has to use big data in order to see which machines and which processes aren't working well and which ones aren't working well. She can't just look at a machine and say, oh yeah, that doesn't look like it's producing as much batteries as as, as it is.
1: Yeah, she was talking about how they have like cathode and anode producing machines. I don't remember exactly the details, but like in a factory they might have, I don't know, a dozen of them. This place has over 200 And these lines are running and she's like, there's no way you can just look around and see, oh, look, the seventh machine. There's nothing like that. I mean, like when I was there, Mm -hmm. at some points they were driving us around in minivan in like these like vans that you would take to get around venues that had like 20 seats. That is driving inside the building. That's how big these buildings are. They're giant. So, yeah, the scale is amazing.
3: And So the the tidbits that she gave in terms of um, Data that people like to know um, One was that they're they're producing a little over 35 gigawatt hours of batteries uh, And improving on a regular basis. They're pulling out lines as we speak uh, to upgrade to a new chemistry, a new something Right, they said that they mean, didn't really talk about.
1: Yeah, she yeah. said new cells. They're already producing yeah. new cells. And I'm not,
3: mm-hmm.
1: not really sure. Does that mean 2170 new cells? Or does that mean she, 4680 new cells? She didn't
3: say, although I think she's way more forthright than any Tesla person would tell us. She didn't say that part. I feel like if somebody asked her directly, she would have. Right. Um, but... Tom, what do Do you think? Any of those, do any of the batteries made in that
0: Panasonic portion of this factory, are all of those Tesla? Like, does Tesla own all of those or are they sending some of those to big, big daddy Panasonic uh, overseas or for other usage? So she could have been referring to something like that. If they're not completely. If they're relatively autonomous and not completely beholden to Tesla, there may just be some other battery production happening there. But I, I don't—I don't, I would
3: doubt it. But I don't know if she mentioned it. She did talk about a, a bit of that, and what they're doing uh, on the Panasonic side is trying to match the production of their cells with Tesla's needs, and so they're sort of marching as much as possible step you know step by step hand in hand so uh although she didn't say um from everything i understand about the factory um this is a partnership and everything from this partnership goes to tesla right um from other sources um some of these batteries are still going to china but it's starting to it's starting to just can you know stay here in the us that so that's good from a logistics and carbon sort of output standpoint as well
1: i mean it sounds like they've been doing good as far as efficiency goes because Mm -hmm. she talked about when they first started producing cells in march of 2017 the first cell rolled off the line and that it's gone up pretty amazingly like in one year they created a hundred million cells which that's a lot of cells to create but then within another five months they had gone up 5x to 500 over 500 million cells and then in another like 7 months they were up to a billion cells and within like whatever that's like another another year and a half a they're 3, months, three yeah. billion cells so you know at, at times we've been down on tesla and panasonic for not producing more cells but it seems like they're you know, they're not hearing from us as much and now have gained much more respect from me that they are actually doing it even though they're not putting solar panels on the factory. And and if you notice, if you look at the image that Joel included in the notes, and we'll try and put our show notes back out again, we're gonna to have to talk about how we do that. If you look at it, the red section, the, our two buildings, Building F and Building A, or sections F and A, are the Tesla sections, Those sections have solar cells on them. Um, Yeah, solar panels on them. And the sections from Panasonic do not. And that sort of explains, maybe, why we're not seeing as many solar panels on the Gigafactory, just as an aside.
0: Did they discuss their kill rate? Because I remember we did a story not that long ago where they were like, elon was upset with them because they were losing like a half a million cells a day uh, from quality control issues i don't know if they discussed that at all in this
1: they did a little bit she talked about um you know uh there's different kinds of waste some of it is like just screwed up cells but another of it is uh like excess materials like when you're trimming things little bits come off When you're mixing solutions and you don't use all of them And then it has to be used by a certain amount of time But they talked about their uh, partnering with J.B. Straubel At Redwood Materials To take the scrap materials for recovery I thought that was also interesting to bring him in Though he was sort of more Tesla-esque And didn't offer any details He was very, very, whatever, 30,000 foot kind of explanation without any slides,
3: no slides. And yes, just talking sort of high level.
0: Um, I would love to see that kind of work being done on site anyways, to be honest with you, it doesn't seem super efficient to take a battery and move it somewhere else, recycle the materials, bring those raw materials back. Like that just feels like something, especially in a place where you've got a lot of excess space. I mean, maybe they have the same issues in terms of finding, you know, employees that can do that type of work and, X, Y, and Z. And I don't know, do you guys know where Redwood materials uh, manufacturing is located? Yeah. In the
3: same okay. town. Okay. Uh, so it's not, not too far. No, it's right? not too far. And, and JB, the, the thing that JB talked about was uh, when they, when they analyzed the situation with batteries, they knew that recycling was going to be a, a need and also an opportunity. So a problem and an opportunity. And, uh, they, they knew that, uh, there needed to be something done, but at at Tesla and many other companies, they didn't have a lot of time to sort of do that. And that's partly why I think he created, uh, Redwood, Redwood materials. So yeah, they are uh, located in, in Sparks. One of the things he talked about was that they're getting so efficient now with operations that the. The cells are, are now about fifty to seventy percent of the cost of the bat, of the of the batteries, and so the actual materials in them. And so, if we're recycling them, and let's say it's now ten years later, and we have a good stream of materials, what are the different ways that we can manufacture, uh, we can recycle them? And he went through a, a number of different ways, um, but he kind of landed on, you know what? Yes, we could reuse them in sort of like uh, uh, storage applications, but most of the manufact- most of the utility companies have higher requirements for them than they they'd be able to come up with with um, recycled or reused cells. And didn't think that that would be a long term uh, good opportunity there. Uh, he talked about just other various ways to to reuse them, the, and he's still sort of coming on the fact of actually taking everything apart and taking the materials, separating everything, and then selling it back to the market.
1: It's sort of and, like jewelry. You know, it's like, uh, I don't know, somebody sells off an estate, and there's a bunch of gold rings and a gold necklace that there's so much value in the material itself that people are willing to just rework that material into what would be either a newer style ring or in the sense of batteries a better battery design it's better to extract the materials because there's so much value of materials as opposed to you know something else that is made out of plastic that does something but if you if you're ready to chuck it and the plastic is useless and all the materials within that device have almost no value It's just trash. Nobody wants to extract some plastic from, I don't know, an AM radio when they can just get brand new plastic. But in the sense of these batteries, there's so much value in the actual battery, in the materials that are within it, that it's like gold. You want to extract out all of the elements of that battery so that you could then repurpose it, reuse it in the newest, whatever, 4680 cells.
0: And did, and on battery day, refresh my memory, did they talk about some of the costs of the battery? You know, they talked about costs coming down substantially. How much, did they factor any of that coming from recycled raw materials into those prices? So let's say JB and Redwood can take a battery and and reduce the cost of the raw materials by half, 25, 50%, 50% or whatever. Does that then make the cost of the raw materials, theoretically 25, you know, JB, you know, Redwood makes a little bit more of a profit, but he has to always stay competitive. And in some cases be cheaper than the raw materials. He has to be able to a get the cells for whatever, however cheap they are, pull the material out of it, be able to extract it back into the base raw materials at purity levels. I'm sure that need to be sort of acceptable and do all of that cheap enough to make it sort of worth the hassle in some cases and obviously the energy usage and, and there's a lot of things but I don't remember if the if any recycled materials were factored into those battery costs because if we can get this really rolling in the loop like you were mentioning Robert, uh, that could substantially drive down costs in the long run.
1: I agree, it really could and it sounds like they're not only working on like batteries like old Tesla batteries but they're working on a lot of consumer electronic batteries as well because you know cells in phones are recycled at a higher frequency or higher you know much more uh, rapidly than in cars so it sounds like there's a huge supply of scrap batteries and if and uh, even though i guess my sense i don't know about you joel or um tom but my sense was that he didn't have much to trumpet so I think they're very much still in the working stage. And I would expect that somewhere or in a multiple of places, there is a f- ton of batteries piled up on pallets waiting to be extracted. And they're just kind of working on how to do that. But once they crack that nut, they're going to be able to uh, fast track a lot of materials into a gigafactory that they don't have to go traveling to, God knows where to extract all of this stuff, and that also is very good for the environment.
0: So, and but so, why was JB? So, who was this? A Panasonic event, or was it like
3: a, a industry event? It was a Stanford, um, a Stanford event, and okay. so it's JB like symposium type. Yeah, event. yeah. It was a student. Uh, it was a student symposium. So at the end, they're saying, "Hey, if you want to work for us, we have a lot of jobs, and we could." We could definitely use you to come except for the BASF guy. Um, but both Selena and JB were, were talking about, Hey, this is a good opportunity. We, you know, you can solve a lot of hard and difficult problems. And she talked about all the engineering problems that they'd solved, you know, that they needed to solve. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it was, it was a good talk. It, it um, I think you could probably listen to it at uh, double time. Uh, if you wanted to try to listen to it and skip the BASF guy I guard. can't I'm not I'm not that guy I can't listen to stuff Well I, I apologize I, I just, for um adding something oh, so long I'll remember it, no, that no, no, next time No it's all good you don't need No I think
0: it's been fascinating I was I was honestly just giving you a hard time uh, but like so there's a line here that says they are currently recycling batteries from the manufacturing waste I assume because of where they are if they are currently actually recycling batteries it probably is those kill batteries in some cases that panasonic is making and and they're not passing muster to move on to the next stage of process did he give any indication or idea of like how much they were recycling no any volumes no
3: no not at all the uh, i did look back at the some of the battery day slides and there they didn't attribute a number to the uh to what they think they can save with that but I think JB thinks that it's a good it's a well one it's a it's a right way to go because we kind of ruin The benefits of this all if we continue to um, just dump it uh, But there's for the most part the materials are unchanged in the cell. There's nothing that's unavailable Inaccessible in a cell even after it's fully depleted um, and That that's where they are all looking to go. So, what gets depleted, Joel? I know you've talked about this in
0: the past. So, like, why why does a battery actually degrade if all the materials are still in there?
3: So, uh, there's two reasons. Um, So, remember when Drew talked about this plating, um, this lithium plating piece? So, lithium, the silver, yeah, lithium plating is sort of so on a uh, on the cathode anode um, on one of the electrodes um, lithium comes across and then uh, help uh, lithium ions come across and generate energy there's a thin blanket of lithium and uh, that's created it's called a it's an initial layer that's created on the battery and when you charge and if you charge nicely and sort of within the the sort of acceptable range everything tends to work really nicely and if you um, if you do, if it doesn't get too hot and if the voltage doesn't get too high for the cell, the cell can last a very long time, and you can get millions of miles out of a cell if you keep it between um, sixty and 30, 60 and twenty percent, something like that. But what can happen if you start to charge it too fast is that thin blanket becomes too thick, and then those ions, those lithium ions, don't go back. Uh, to the anode, and that's called lithium plating. That's one of the ways that you can slowly deplete your battery, um, because then you lose all your ions, and maybe you have half as many ions, and you're gonna reduce the the number of um, um, you know the the capacity of your battery. Another way to damage your battery is instead of a thin layer, like a thin blanket, that happens is you have these dendrites, which are like little j- daggers that. So they sort of pile up on um, a long line and then they cross over to the other side um, where they can cause damage to the battery altogether. It's almost like if you're at a bar, right? And there's happy hour. And there's a whole bunch of people. It's out, It's an outdoor bar, but you have to go inside to get beer. Do you have to wear a mask? Or whatever you're spa. drinking.
1: Do you have to wear a mask? No, this
3: is, this is pre-COVID oh, okay. or post-COVID, okay. okay? And then there is... Um, and then you hear, oh, there's happy hour, and, and the drinks are really inexpensive, like they're like almost free. People rush in, and there's a long line outside to the outside the door to get drinks. That long line is like dendrites, and if it gets past the door, it can actually short out the battery. And that, those are dendrites; they're like little, little, um, little metal jag jagged things that sort of go through the separator. Back to the other side, and they cause problems.
1: That gives me so much faith in democracy.
3: Yes. So, in um, so lithium plating, on the <laughs> other hand,
1: because it, look at the lines that oh. we had in democracy, there was no shorting. Yeah. there was no shorting.
3: Right. Yeah, that, that's true. There wasn't the what? Well, I think. Well, <laughs> we could talk about politics after, but um, please, please, please stop. <laughs> um, but the lithium plating is more like. Um, where it's a busy, it's a Saturday night, and there's a lot of people, and there's the line. There's like a bunch of people all around the bar, all waiting to get beer. After a while, even if you're if you're in that line, you're like, I can't get beer unless I try to jam my way up to the front to get get the bartender's attention. Sounds like a and Tesla. that's sort of like a lithium. That's sort of like yeah. uh, the plating that Drew was talking about. Okay, so, so it just gets
0: to be too inefficient based on bad man not bad manufacturing but bad battery management bad battery is management battery- is probably
3: the 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 biggest thing and that's the one thing that Tesla worries about um and i think well we'll find out but there's a lot of folks that feel like they might have solved a, a good chunk of this and i'm guessing we we won't find out until germany okay
0: well cool i think that uh that is a lot of information about uh, batteries. Was there anything else in there that we missed? I I feel like that kind of covered everything that you've written down so far. Uh, and if anybody would like to listen to this, it is available on uh, YouTube, and we'll throw it in the old show notes.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. you can't have Very you cool. can't have batteries that work well without superchargers. All
0: right. Well, you can. The, the, you can I mean There are other ways to charge We talked about Most of them suck But I mean Like let's say Let's not go so far As to say you can't Okay
1: it's But better. if you want to go From you do. Boston to Denver You're going to need Superchargers Yeah,
0: yeah. You yeah. are Or a lot of free time So
1: You know uh, I kind of We talk a lot about Stuff that goes on Here in the Estados Unidos That's the United States And We don't Talk as much about what's going on in other places. So I wanted to take this opportunity. I got a uh, tweet sent to me from Martin Gillette of the Tesla Owners Club Belgium. They're very excited. Hi, Martin. Belgium's you know not a big country, so when they install like a whole lot of superchargers, that's a big deal. And so they had a the Nemer. I'm probably not pronouncing it right. Nemer supercharger was an 8 v2 stall supercharger tesla is now adding an additional 15 v3 superchargers and not only that uh which is pretty exciting these new v3 superchargers have a different plug on them
0: right so because of that because the european standard right is the ccs uh, plug so
1: if you had an older tesla you weren't able to charge or you would not be able to charge at these new chargers So it turns out that the Tesla service centers there in Belgium will provide a CCS retrofit. You can order it right on your Tesla app, like you could, you know, the the full self-driving or the performance upgrade, and it's uh, 299 euros, which is like $350. And evidently, that is quite a discount uh, that was done by Tesla, and it includes all of the all of the parts, the, manufa- the uh, mechanics, the, the taxes, everything. And uh, and so they were excited to announce that to their membership. And what I was impressed with was that not only do they do a supercharger, like, hey, we're having a new supercharger. They go out with a drone and they're taking pictures as the supercharger's being constructed. I put that in the show notes. Pretty impressive, it looks nice. pretty impressive, yeah.
3: Is that an adapter or is that a um it's actually replaces the plug that's on your car My guess is it says
0: retrofit so my guess uh-huh. is it's a retrofit nice. like like cuz otherwise Tesla would send it and the nice thing about that is once you have the retrofit to CCS you can use both superchargers. Right. right so you you kind of open yourself up to the V2s and the V3s and theoretically yeah, well you still couldn't charge If you move to the States, right, because they have a a different uh, power, you'd have to get something else changed out at that point.
1: Yeah, absolutely true. So now, um, I also want to say that since Belgium has been very uh, active in the Owner's Club network, they had unfortunately canceled the World Tesla Conference, which is supposed to be just a couple weeks ago in Belgium, which I was hoping to go to, but hopefully… Maybe next year we'll be able to do that. Uh, that would be a trip, literally. So look out for that. Tesla, uh, they also have a most amazingly slick and gorgeous magazine called the Tesla Quarterly Magazine, or the name of it is, I can't remember, but I have a link in the show notes. You guys should check it out. There's like, they've put this out quarterly for probably almost four years now. And it's got, like, ads from champagne companies and, like, high-end clothes. And
0: supercharged. Supercharged. In the middle of the supercharger. That's right.
1: That's why it's here. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm being distracted by my back pain, which is starting to get on my nerves. So, open superchargers, since we last met, October 30th, literally eight days ago, eight days, mind you, How many superchargers do you think are open?
3: Uh, Let's see.
1: For all of the listeners, I just put two question marks there. I haven't let them know ahead of time how many are open.
3: I would say 10.
1: 10 new superchargers. That's Joel.
3: 13.
1: 13. Crikey, I'm going to go with (laughs) 7.
3: Okay,
0: Mel.
1: 15 new superchargers. Wow, in a week? Actually, no. I just got a tweet About 10 minutes ago, it's going to be 16, because evidently the Haldinger Way in San Jose just opened this afternoon while we were recording, so it's actually 16. I'll I'll amend the Hey, Rob, why does
0: California get all the good ones? I'm curious. Do you know the way to the San Jose? Do you
1: you know the way to... No, I won't do it. Uh, So we got four... you You already did, actually. I know. Four superchargers in <laughs> California, did. three in Oregon, South Carolina, Florida, Germany, France, Belgium, and Poland. Oh,
0: my God. I'm going to the Oregon superchargers because you know what Oregon just did, right? Yeah, they made every oh, man.
1: drug legal. <laughs>
0: wow. <laughs> that is great. Yeah. Also known as America's party state, <laughs> America's frat house, Oregon. Good Lord. I know. Well. Got to get my daughter out of ah! there. Oh,
3: she going to school there? <laughs>
0: Oh uh-huh.
1: no! Oh boy! <laughs> well, we're going to hear about that on another Talking Tesla Dad, soon, Daddy. No, I
3: wouldn't do that stuff. <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, we got ten superchargers entering construction phase, and three are entering permanent stage, including Auckland, New Zealand. So, EJ, EJ, that EJ, one's for EJ you. EJ, what do you think of uh, Sylvia Park? Is that a nice place? I haven't looked into it.
0: It's in New Zealand, so you can almost guarantee it's a nice. That's place. right. <laughs>
1: That's right. Well, I'm kind of exhausted. We do have a SpaceX section next, and I have to say that Monday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Texas time is when they have slated to launch the Starship to the like 50,000 foot level-ish. I think they shortened it just a little bit and they want to belly flop it back to the Boca Chica landing site, which could be amazing or it could be the biggest bang. Yes. Oh my God, I can't believe it. I have to work that day, but I think I'm going to keep my ear pods in and uh, watching the whatever feed.
3: Is that a definite...
1: Um On the 9th? Yeah, it's scheduled from 9 to 9, and uh, there's going to be at least two or three YouTubers covering it. And there was a little Twitter back and forth, and I threw out, I can't take credit. I was like, well, it's a a no-brainer. SpaceX should cover it just like they cover all their launches. It would give them a wonderful opportunity to... Describe Starship, what they've done so far, what they're planning in a concise way, so that we could get, you know, uh, they could inspire more people to maybe go work for SpaceX. And so this would be, this will be big. This will be
0: huge. So, are you saying SpaceX should cover it? Or are you saying SpaceX they're going to cover,
1: yes, to cover it? Yes, they're going yeah, to. Yeah, they're covering it. it now. Yeah. So, f-
3: uh, 15 kilometers, right? Yes. I think it's a 15 kilometer hop. Or well, if that's a hop, I don't know. Um, yeah, and we'll... I mean, space, SpaceX covering it's good. I also like to listen to um, Everyday Astronaut. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, NASA Spaceflight does it. And I'm, I'm betting there's going to be a, a bunch of other YouTubers as well. Right. Um, covering it. And SpaceX is really cool about it. They they like... They, they, they're perfectly happy with people doing that. I wonder what the exclusion
1: um, zone is. Because this is a...
3: It's got to be big. This
1: is yeah. maybe the fattest... Rocket that's flown. I I don't know many rockets that are that much more, you know, larger diameter. Without
0: you mean like in a di in yeah, a diameter. I way. guess wasn't Saturn V more of a diameter bigger than that?
3: It, I think it's one meter wider. Um, uh, and I'm not I'm not a rocket expert, but I'm pretty sure it's one meter wider. But I could vamp while you guys look it up if you'd like. I know that um, you can't you, know, you
1: can't drive it around on a truck, and I know that. To date, at least United in the United States, this is probably mm-hmm. the fattest, most yeah, a, wide yeah. rocket because literally you cannot transport it.
3: Yeah. So, so um, I mean, they do drive it on a truck just so we don't get letters, but it's only um, like a less than a quarter mile from where they built it, build it to where they, well, they, where they take it off. Yeah, a truck um, which but, has got like uh,
1: two million wheels. It looks like a yeah. caterpillar. Yeah, they're they're
3: amazing. Mega um, those are amazing machines. And
1: it's posted standing straight up. It's not like it's right, on the back exactly. of an eighteen wheeler.
3: Right, and like where they would they build them in Hawthorne and take it down to um, to to Florida. They're not doing that. This is right in the same place. I mean, if they had a big enough crane, they probably could pick it up and drop it over to the the launch pad. But it's going to be interesting, partly because of how it is it going to come down they're going to be doing a something called a belly flop landing where the um the rocket uh, obviously first goes straight up and then when it comes down in order to reduce its speed it it sort of goes nearly horizontal um uh and that slows its speed down but then the its rocket engines are obviously still pointing more horizontally so they have to swing the rocket back to get it to be vertical and then they fire the retro rockets to slow itself down to land. So uh, a poll that the Everyday Astronaut did was um, asking people where it would fail along the way. You know, would it fail going up? Would it get off the pad? Would it get up to 15 kilometers? Would it fail at the belly flop? Would it crash or would it land properly? Yes. And SpaceX fans, being optimists, said uh, 50% thought that it would land perfectly fine, no issues first time, but everybody else thought it would fail along the way. So it should be good fireworks no matter what. Um, I like listening to Everyday Astronaut because every single launch and every single landing is almost like it's the very first time it's ever happened. Every single, and it's not fake. So like some guys you watch on YouTube, it's a little fake. He he is just genuinely like a little kid, um, enthusiastic. Very, so, yeah, very
0: enthusiastic. So apparently, the SpaceX that rocket has a twelve meter rocket booster diameter, and the spaceship itself is seventeen meters in diameter. And you were correct; Saturn V was ten meters. So it's actually a couple. The booster part of it is two meters bigger than the Saturn V rocket. So it's, it's a big, big color
1: there, Joe. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, it's a big boy. I mean, the Saturn V was not a small, uh, you know, like that was not a, a shrinking violet by any stretch of the imagination. That was a big boy.
3: Yeah, it or This is going to be yeah. Um it's going to be uh when once the the booster is also attached, it's going to be just absolutely huge and for it to be reusable it, and quickly reusable is going to be an amazing Amazing thing! Yeah,
1: so, booster. You're talking super heavy. And yeah, the, the super Star heavy. Ship, yep. Yeah, the Starship itself is.
3: I still great. like BFR way better. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah.
1: Big Falcon Rocket is a great name. Of course uh-huh. we do. <laughs> <laughs> of course we do. Should we do any media picks? Oh yeah. Because right, no, sure. we got we got another six stories we could do, but I know no, changed. I don't.
3: I don't know if we want to do that, unless we could like you know, chop up the show or something. I would say let's do some media picks you guys uh, there's nothing
0: on the dock, so what do you got
3: I'll, I'll go first please I have a book it's called The Thing Explainer and it's written by Randall Munroe, and he's the author of uh, What If and um, he's done some I think he did an interview with Elon back in the day probably like four years ago or so and let me share my uh, screen with you guys and we'll put some of this stuff in the notes as well. So, when I was little, I listened to uh, and, and read um, my world book encyclopedias that my grandmother had gotten me. Yeah, I had those too. And, and it was a great way just to learn uh, about the world. And, and yes, I mean, now we have Wikipedia and we have all these things that can sort of um, teach us things, but it's good still to have, for kids to have a book. In their hand to to read about things, and this book. The interesting thing about this book is that, um, and I have it in my hand, is um, that it describes complex things, but in sim- with simple words. And so, what I'll do is, um, I'm going to read um, a part of this uh, this section, and it's so you got this media pick specifically for me, is
0: what you're saying.
3: Yeah, yeah. You or um, I actually. Re- heard it on NPR um, and um, what 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 he does is um he takes the top um, he takes about a thousand words and it, he said it was basically the top thousand words used in um, in uh you know sort of english vernacular the longest word is conversation um, but that's kind of the longest by um, a lot i mean they're really they're really um they're really small words and i, I got it for my oldest son and now my Youngest son's reading it, but I wanted to read a little bit of this particular passage here, and we can see what it what it is. Um, maybe I should have read it and then had you guys guess, but now you can see the picture. So, um, yeah, it's called a shared space house. This building flies through space just above the air. People from different countries build it and fly up to it to visit it using space boats. Because the house is falling all around the Earth, things inside of it hang in the air instead of dropping to the floor. Inside the house, normal things like water act very strange and you can fly around by kicking off the walls. Everyone says it's a lot of fun. And this book is just, I mean, they describe many different things in this book. Obviously, bri- I mean, bridges, computers, uh, smartphones, even a nuclear power station, um, the the Earth's scent core, the sun, but in simple language that anybody can, um, well, anybody can understand. But even my, you know, my young kids can understand. And I, I really think this is a great book. It's called uh, Thing Explainer, and it's by Randall Munro. Uh, definitely a, a, a great book. You can find it at anywhere
1: where good books are sold, I guess.
0: Very cool. That's a good one. Roberto?
1: So I started watching The Queen's Gambit. On Netflix which uh, is a fantastic miniseries it's six hours six episodes each about an hour and uh, it's a, a story about it's a fictional story about a uh, girl who is orphaned um, her mom has um, some math gift that they allude to and she takes to chess while she's in an orphanage and it's a it's a hero story it's a uh, it's really well done, I'm sure it's been modified from the original, which I think was written quite a while ago, like maybe the 70s. Uh, modified, you know, for modern sensibilities and it's got some nice twists and it's it's just, it's great. I've been enjoying it and uh, I'm really looking forward to settling down with some dinner after this and watching the last two episodes. So 10 out of 10, high, high regard, unless of course the ending is really terrible, but I've heard That
0: is rooted all the way through to the end. Nice. Well, Joel's uh, pick reminded me of a really good YouTube video. I don't really know how you explain a YouTube video, but there's a YouTube video, and we'll put a link in the show notes. That's basically it was a question from a Uh, a student to like what happens if you wring out a sponge or a towel on the space station. Mm. And so they did this experiment live and they recorded it and they had a really wet towel and the astronaut is soaking it. And it's just one of the most amazing things you can see how the water kind of covers his hands and stuff. So that look for that. You can just like literally search wringing out water on the space station and you'll, you'll find that YouTube video and, and now on Hulu, There is, and I know we talk about this stuff an awful lot. There is a amazingly wonderful coronavirus documentary that just came out uh, about the very beginning of it, Um, and it is called "Totally Under Control," and it is really about how how there was how how some countries had got have gotten uh, the pandemic under control. The little again the kind of minor mistakes and problems that we made at the very beginning of it that sort of put us in the situation that we are right now it's really quite beautifully shot it's 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 very sad but what it is more than anything and this is why i'm recommending it it is it is a perfect indicator of how we need to learn from history watch this understand what's happening because it's going to happen again it's going to happen again with this particular pandemic like we're going to have another opportunity in this country to get this thing under control at some point we need to take advantage of that opportunity when it arises so we can get out of it <laughs> you know and and this will you know it'll make you sad but it hopefully will also make you hopeful that it can actually be contained if you do the right thing as a country and you make take the right steps you can you know knock it down to a controllable level. So I know we talk about this a lot. I'm sure everybody's sick of it. This one is just for me. It was recommended by my buddy Paul. I watched it. It's very beautifully shot, which is a bonus in my opinion because they shot it during coronavirus. So I know how, what the challenges are of trying to shoot something, you know, this this the, in these in these days and they do show a little bit of the behind the scenes and how they did it, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's really good. They talk all about all these government officials and, and really all this stuff from the very beginning. And uh, highly recommend if you have who.
1: Yeah, that's my immediate pick from Talking Tesla, 184. High five! Oh, yes. it was? Oh, I'm sorry. Was, I apologize. That was apologized. like the day before it dropped.
0: Then maybe, then maybe you recommended it.
1: Hey, now hospital, you've seen it. <laughs> <so> I apologize. <laughs> you've seen it, so it makes me feel even better.
0: Yeah, yeah. I apologize for for doubling up on that's that. That's okay. One. I
1: still I, haven't I, uh, watched the Chicago 7, which was your media pick back then. So yeah, you guys keep one. me busy, and this is you know probably the best <laughs> part of the whole show because all that other shit that we talk about just bores the crap out of me. Mm,
0: that's no, not true. Is it? But, that's not true. All right, gentlemen. Well, I think that's it. That's the end of 186. It's, uh, you know... I don't, like a
1: sa- Three, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Oh, there's like a thousand letters. Yeah, are sending us lots marks? and lots of letters.
0: Oh, we have to do the Patreon thing. Did you or did you guys do that? While no, I was
1: we gone? didn't.
3: No, we didn't actually. So that's so
1: this is where we get to give you a tire repair kit with a goo spring bottle as well as a plugger for holes right. and
0: This is how we're gonna do it. Joel, what's a number between one and fifteen? Seven. Okay, got that, Robert. Number seven on the list is Jim Schillinger. Jim Schillinger, you have an RPM Tesla tire repair kit coming your direction. Uh, hopefully, you're listening. We'll send you an email and let you know if you're not. I need another number between one and 15.
1: Uh Eleven.
0: That's going to be Gavin. Gavin. Ooh, I I can I can try
3: to pronounce oh, this. Oh, oh, Alukaju. Alukaju.
0: Alukaju. Alukaju. Gavin Alukaju, you, you are going to win another of our 3 prizes from RPM Tesla. Thank you, Mark. And the third number 3.
3: Three is a magic number.
0: That is going to be Brett Fuller. So, Brett Fuller, you are a winner, winner, chicken dinner. And, again, we'll send everybody an email, let them know. Mark will has offered to ship these out. Uh, we're very, very grateful for all of you supporting us for as long as you have. Um, Go leave
1: us a review on Apple you. iTunes.
3: If, if, you you like the sh- if you like the show, leave us a, a review on uh, Apple iTunes. If you don't like us, send us an email. And... Maybe I mean we're gonna to have to read these letters. So maybe I'll like read these letters and
0: let's read them. No, we can read the letters. I okay. didn't realize that we had uh, that stuff. Left I know. And, exactly. I, and I will say, if you if you don't like the show, um, seriously, we've been on for like two hours. Why the hell are you still <laughs> listening? Like it makes no sense. Yeah. Like you, you, I do think something else you with like your it little lives. Little
1: it's been like 150 <laughs> you know, like, minutes. Soon we're almost gonna be at 186, <laughs> which is the length of the show.
3: Have you ever have you had a time uh, when your computer just says, "Uh, oh, oh, it's too much. I I I can't store anymore." Show
1: no, I I've, yeah, I've used happens. that excuse before, definitely. but the, these guys called me out. They said <laughs> they just don't know what buttons to push.
3: Can I read the first letter? Oh please, I'll, I'll, I'll try. Um, so it's mm-hmm. from uh, Lauren Oakley? Would you is that how you'd say it? Yes. Oakley oh, is probably
0: how okay, I would say. Okuly, yeah. Yeah, but I, I get that's that. that's probably not accurate.
3: Uh, y- yo, hey guys, uh, one of the original listeners um, and a Teslon, Elon super fan. For years, I've been considering sending you corrections or clarifications, but never have until today. Oh,
1: wait, this is one of those emails that were, we, he didn't want to leave us a review. So he sent us an email instead. <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm
0: guessing this is a this is a this is a anti Tom talk and uh, email. And I read this a while ago, and I and I do have a response because I listened to what I said. So uh-huh.
3: please go, um, go it. Right tires for tires. It's my understanding that Tesla does not put foam in their tires. The manufacturers of the tires do. Oh. In the case of the, my Model Three, it came with uh, Michelin Primacy MX4M something. Um that was just discussed. It does not matter um where you buy the tire, it still has the same Michelin foam in it, even if you purchase it from a discount place like Costco.
0: That is true. So you can get those tires for sure. Um I mean it's a little bit of a semantic argument as to whether or not Tesla. I mean, yes, Tesla doesn't manufacture tires, so of course they don't put foam in them, but Tesla does say, hey, can you put some foam in those
3: tires for
0: us? So it's like, that's a little bit like six of one half dozen of the other. In my opinion, Um, the tire. And interestingly though, like the tires that I got stock with my model three were not Michelin primacies. They were continentals, which also, if you go to the tire rack website, you can find them. I believe Joel, you may have sent a link at some point uh, at, To the tire rack site that or maybe this person did and on a different some message i got basically showed like a couple of different versions of tires and porsche has i guess porsche asks a manufacturer to make a tire for one of their vehicles because they say on tire rack like to tesla or to porsche Mm -hmm. so i think it's it's basically like they're making these tires to the specs of the manufacturers so again i'm not you know, I don't want to like go down this road with you, Lauren. But I, I, I get it. Thank
3: you for being a long listener. You're right. Um, but Tom was, <laughs> and
1: Tom is wrong.
3: Almost right. Almost right. <laughs> well, <laughs>
1: um, <laughs>
3: fine. I'll own that one. I guess. <clears throat> um, the next one was from Patrick Wiggins, um, and he was um, he was talking to. A, I don't remember us talking about carbon monoxide detectors.
0: We were, when we were talking about gas, uh, stoves and the carbon oh, monoxide, oh, right. like it, there being a small amount of carbon monoxide in the house, but our carbon monoxide detectors not being able to do detect those
3: low levels. Yeah. So th- this was great. Uh, this is great information. If I get to the point here. So he says he's a pilot and he's hyper vigilant about, uh, CO poisoning, especially at altitude. Um, uh, you know, I think was it Payne Stewart that that died in an airplane from low alcohol. Uh, no, low I air? think
0: that was pressure. Okay, I that, that was, was a pressure. A, a, a pressure
3: uh, event. Um, but it just makes me think about that for sure. Um, uh, so let's see. Uh, you'll note that in alarms, um, uh, most alarms will only alarm it. I think he says uh, ten to 50. i I'm actually not doing a good job reading this. So, you are not. So you want, would you like me to take over for you? No, one? no. How about I, instead of me trying to skim it, I'll just read it. All right. Okay. Um, you'll note that it alarms. Uh, okay, I skipped too
0: much already. Basically,
1: it just... Um, the home detector He stuff. sent a
0: link to the CO detector he put in his plane, which alarms at 5 ppm, but the ones in your house only I'm alarm at, 10, at 10, to 10 to 15. 15 ppm. And, and he, in his house, had a loose flue and actually was getting more CO2 than that or carbon monoxide monoxide in his home uh, than that so he got one he got one of these lower level versions for his home and it started to go off because he had some carbon monoxide in his home which is
3: pretty cool coolly dangerous yeah really scary but it's great that he found that because you know potentially somebody could be You know, would have been in the basement or something, and could have been affected by that. So that's yeah. You could be at you could be at nine right
0: now, Joel. You you don't know that may be why you couldn't read that letter properly
3: because you're at nine. Yeah, (laughs) but something he said that um, or he said here, and I think somebody else there was another letter um, basically said is the the goop uh, that you can put in your tire for emergencies can sometimes damage your tire. I've heard that too by my father in law, but. I still had the thing in my, you know, I have that in my car if I need it in emergency, right? But um, yeah, I
0: think in an emergency all things go. I right. would even say even even the tire kit that we're giving away to our listeners those only have those plugs, and and that's not actually a really good way to fix your tire for the long run. The actual the the new plugs that they have, they take the tire off the rim and they do it from the inside out. Oh, right. And the inside has like a big disc on it. So it can't just pop out because right. I just recently had this done to my truck tire. So there is like an official way to do this the right way. But in a pinch, like I carry an emergency tire kit in my truck when I'm off-roading and it only has the little like plugs. Right. And stuff like that. But you don't want to have that as your permanent repair. And Mark, Mark says
1: that in the video. I gave a link to the video. Yeah, I'm sure he does. Has, but, you know, there's plenty of times I've been tri- driving my S and there's no cell signal. There's nothing. So you're kind of on your own uh, to get out right, of this. Right, yeah. Straight. If
3: you're in a situation where you need to be, you need to get to somewhere a little safer, you know, then yeah, for all... Yeah. yeah,
0: and Patrick says what that stuff does is ruin the TPS. So those are the tire pressure uh, sensors, which are okay. That's why really yeah. pricey. Okay, on, like, so box. if you want to replace those, you know you, you can get there maybe a hundred bucks each. Some maybe you can find them a little bit less than that. But and 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 if you don't have those on your Tesla, it will just constantly tell you that something is wrong. Yeah, with your
3: it's car. a pain. Um, best well, so you guys probably don't see it as much in your neck of the woods, but this time of year. The temperature goes down, and then all of a sudden you're getting pressure tire, war- tire pressure warnings because the pressure's gone down a little bit um, because the temperature's gone down. And it's a pain so you in the have rear. To,
0: so you'll have to change your tire pressure? You'll have to add more air to them because yeah. in, the, in the cold weather? Yeah. Look at that. There's something we wouldn't have known without Joel. Yeah,
3: a yeah it's, it's a pain in the rear. Um, but anyway. all right. Y- y- why don't you read the next have- one because I'm apparently not doing a good job.
0: Yeah no, so the next one is is something I actually wanted to talk about as well. So and and I did a little bit of research. This one's from Norman Rechtman, and so uh, full full disclosure, I. I'm very grateful that you sent this in because it reminded me to talk about this. So here was the configuration page on Tesla, June, 2018 on the price of FSD. When I configured it was $3,000 and would be $4,000 to upgrade later. So it did warn us that the price was going up that that's true. And it, it did. So my, so going back and looking when I purchased it, the, the enhanced autopilot on my car, I think, was five thousand. Plus, you had to pay another thousand if you weren't going to get it when you got the car delivered. And then the full self-driving was four thousand. I think that's right, or is he saying it was three thousand? I can't remember. Uh, three thousand with an additional thousand later. So I knew off the bat that I was I was I was actually on the hook for four thousand dollars. Is what I should be. It, all things being fair, I should pay Tesla no more than $4,000 to upgrade to full self-drive and not the $2,000 that I spoke about in the last show. So I was incorrect about that number. Uh, So the total price would, would have been $9,000 in January of 2018 when I, I'm sorry, January of yes, January of 2018 when I took delivery. Okay. And
3: Right? Are you are I you sad you didn't do December. that then? Uh, well,
0: I'm not as. Well, again, once I looked it up, I wasn't as sad because again, up until last week, right up until they raised it to seven thousand, it was five thousand. So it had really only gone up about a thousand in that two year period. It personally, I still don't believe it should go up at all. I think like like there's screenshots all over the internet that shows like it doesn't say. And it's gonna go up higher than that every week, every month, every year as we add more features. And again, I'll reiterate, they're 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 raising the price of something that is not working. It, like, right? It's, it's like you're buying full self, it's working better, Joel, but it's not full self-driving. I'm sorry the we, we got into
3: this again. But. the word <laughs> is full
0: self-driving. No, 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 it's fine. But but that's my but that's my take, right? Like yeah. it don't raise the price don't continue to raise the price on something until it is the something that it is
3: maybe you could talk to that woman what was her name again did you say jillian what was her name that you talked to at tesla
0: oh i didn't give you her oh, okay name. You didn't it g- was not it was not Jillian. <laughs> <Okay>. um <laughs> i didn't want her to get in trouble well maybe case, you could you know, talk to she,
3: her yeah, yeah. after she helped you out so much say you know what um let me send you the screenshot. It's show. funny that you mentioned that because I thought that you exact same should thing. Have. When you I, should when have. You <laughs> should have. It makes <laughs> like,
0: for a great I'm like, show. Okay. You can I'm uh, like, can I get? Can I get her back on the phone? Please? <laughs> Probably not. Where's, I'm sure they. Where's, where's, I'm
1: sure they made notations of who it was that helped you throughout that process. Oh, I know.
0: I know who it was. I'm just not uh-huh. saying who it was, Robert. Yeah. There, there's the difference. Uh-huh. You could ask. But yeah, I appreciate that. So, so again, like I, I, I was wrong about the overall number. I will admit that. Mia culpa. Like but there was a point where he, had, when he was raising the price. To five thousand, right. I believe he made it two thousand. So he actually made it even cheaper than it would have been. Right. And, and maybe that's the kind of thing that's a little bit annoying because it's like, oh, you, know, you can sell it for two thousand, but now it's seven. Th- it, it's just nebulous, in my opinion. But we don't have to go. I Here's the
3: interesting about thing that. about Tesla. Um, I mean, the mm-hmm. the good thing is you can buy a car online. You can you can mm-hmm. buy it, and um, like Rob Maurer showed he bought it in fifty three. I think it was fifty three seconds. Uh, bought a new mm-hmm. model three um you can do all that but the i think that there's things with dealerships that um are never pleasant um they lower prices right after you buy it they uh, or you know or they raise prices they do this and that they don't give good service all that dealer stink goes on tesla because they're the dealer now and so if they raise the price and lower the price Fred at, um, Fred Lambert at electric gets all pissed and people get all upset because yeah. the price gets, but it happens all the time in dealers, but you just blame the dealer. You, 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 know, it's, um, Shanahan's, you know, Ford dealership or something and you're mad at them, but now, yeah, it's, I get, it's I testing, get that. It's, it's I get that, but they're also not like right.
0: selling you something that they're not selling you a torneau cover that doesn't torneau
3: cover no no i'm not saying that it's i'm not saying it's wrong i'm not saying that they're right i'm just saying that it's it's not a perfect situation i i I do think that elon does better job with things that are concrete you know that are part of the physical world things that are that are you know more nebulous like customer service he doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily do a good great job with because honestly he has no metric really to I actually do think he has metrics that he could use, but he doesn't want to use those. So,
0: yeah. And I, and I think, again, like I said, it should just be when you bought it. That's what it. You know, like if they said it would be four thousand to upgrade later, they didn't say upgrade later until twenty twenty, upgrade later until twenty nineteen. It said upgrade till later. If that's what you bought your car going into, that's what you should pay. So I should pay four thousand dollars. And then if I don't want to pay four thousand dollars, that's fine. And if somebody right now and it says it's seven thousand dollars right now or eight thousand dollars later, that's what they should pay. And and so on and so forth. Like changing the ball after. You bought something to me is weird. Like that's just weird. Moving the I'm Sorry,
3: posts. I'm
0: I'm sorry, Tom. Yes, I, changing the ball is does not make I sense. I
3: think you that should send crazy. a screenshot to Jillian and say, can uh, you help uh, me uh, out? Not her name. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. We'll go with
3: Jillian, yes. I guess.
0: Is there a Jillian in your past, Joel, that no, you like no, to I discuss just with, came us up on with that? This show? She, she seemed like a nice yeah, Jillian one. seems like a nice it's, person name. It's not that far off, okay. I'm not gonna lie. So <laughs> you're, you're it's, it's almost as if you were listening. So we mentioned
1: this a couple times during the show, and Zachary Perlinin Pernikilski.
3: <laughs>
1: Pernelisky. Pernikil, I, like I like
0: these next two. Perniklix. These next two are great. He
1: is driving it home. You guys don't do any more show notes. It was very nice to go and click on the different stories you guys mentioned. I agree, and why
2: do, why
1: don't we do show notes,
0: Tom? I don't know. I don't put. I don't post this show. Talk to Melvis like, and talk to EJ and talk to all Cecilia. On the website, and so I, so a, yeah, I just checked
3: last week's, and um, mm-hmm. we didn't post the show notes. No. Um, there is a read only link that we can add that they can see this exact thing, so that no one has to do anything else. It would just be read only. I don't think there's personal information here. You can tell me. Um,
1: oh, and, sometimes we write nasty stuff to one
0: another It's not the cleanest it's, it's not, not clean, the cleanest but at least, way to do this At least yeah. for now we can well, do something well, like let's that let's get yeah. s- let's get CC and EJ okay. on it to re keep post like there's a mechanism for posting the show notes we just have to have them yeah. do it so we'll we'll take care Thanks, of that Zachary. In the way that We'll, we'll call these the a Zachary notes should be And now Taylor has a very good question <laughs> Who the F is Joel has Talking Tesla added a fourth host since the pandemic started? And I stopped having opportunities to listen on a regular basis, a.k.a. during my commute. I, know. I don't know, Taylor. What are you talking about? <laughs> Joel? I, I haven't... Uh, Robert, do you know what Taylor's Who's talking Joel? Joel? Who's Joel? Joel? Do you, what's a Joel? Well, it's kind what's of funny Joel?
3: because I know who he is. Uh, he followed me. <laughs> um, I know he bought a Model 3 um, and <laughs> If I remember correctly, um, he got it a, about two thousand eighteen, <laughs> in, 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 I, I, and I definitely haven't looked. I'd say somewhere February to March time. And he-, he also tried to get a job with Tesla, oh! and um, he. I'm not. I don't want to diss him, but he, he. They said like, oh, you. You sound like you have a lot of experience, but he didn't have this one thing which had to do with like code review, and they said they didn't want him. So I remember this dude. And this guy doesn't remember me. And he, he lives. What else? That's the inside? And you're he telling me in the Boston. Well, area. he might he might remember yeah. you, but he may not remember
0: you as a as a person on this show <laughs> as a as a as a fourth as a fourth host. Okay. I was just looking through my referrals to see if maybe uh, Taylor had used my referrals.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, you should look. I mean, he definitely is a he TT didn't. fan for sure.
0: He he wasn't uh, he wasn't one of mine. Okay. But, uh, so Taylor Joel is uh well he's Joel. I don't know how else to say who Joel is. Joel is Joel. He is a, a longtime listener, first time caller, or actually third time caller now, yep. I guess at this point. And uh, he uh bring like we've said for the first three shows, he brings a level of uh, I don't know fact. I it's guess you would sequa. say to the show. Although he really cannot read a letter, I know like, I, I'm going to gonna, save his life.
3: <laughs> that, that, you know it's what like, I am having a hard time, like just sort of talking versus reading, and so like even uh-huh. when we have the notes for the, you know what we want to say, I just want to talk versus read talk? the notes. So like, it's not as easy as we make it no, look. Not? Not. I mean, you do a great job, Tom. You do. <laughs> But see, my training at like uh, where one of the places I used to work, they said never read the slides, just talk to the. Oh slides. yeah, never read the. Slides. So now never I'm like read reading the slide. Sli- I'm like reading the slides. I'm like, oh no, not. I should not be reading the slides. I should just summarize.
0: You shouldn't. You shouldn't read these slides either. Yeah. Like you should write the bullet points to get you familiar with them, right. but you shouldn't read them because it comes off as reading for sure. Yeah, but hey, so I'm getting uh, no one. Gives a crap about us talking about what you should and shouldn't do. We should probably just say goodbye to everyone so they can go about their day. Are we done? We we, we did the show notes. We we did the media picks. We gave away the, the gifts yes. from RPM Tesla. We read the letters. Is there anything else, Robert or Joel, before we can go live our lives for the rest of yeah, the Yeah, well, it's November,
1: and that means... That if they want, if people want to buy a Tesla or add a Tesla solar roof on their house, they should use mm-hmm. the code, Laney ninety three hundred.
0: Oh my god! Oh, it's it's, it's my month. Yes, it's your month. It's my month. Uh, I really feel like every month is my month. But anyways, yes, Laney <laughs> ninety three hundred. That would be that would be a lovely, lovely. uh lovely gift
3: so I mean, it's I, one, I actually so one thing you never say and i when i actually looked you up i couldn't figure out what lane laney 9300 was is that elaney with an e is that it's
0: l-a-i it's l-a-i-n-i that is my wife's name
3: and then 9300 so all right there you go and 9300 is her number that
0: that number does not uh have anything to do with a family name or being romanian or anything like that it's just that was too much Eleni. information
3: i, I but yeah, okay.
0: Sure. Yeah. All right, um, I mean, Laney's a very unusual name. It people like cannot pronounce it, cannot spell it, right. just doesn't doesn't happen and then you throw my last name on the back of that thing and it's a total nightmare to live with that uh, particular. Well, subject. it's
1: obviously a very common name somewhere because there's 9300 Laney's and if you, if Robert, there's only thirty-three thousand one hundred and seventy-seven, or at least at the time I got on. So I'm not sure how these numbers actually work. And maybe that's a story that we should cover in a future True, show. Be,
3: yeah, if you work that'd that'd at Tesla phenomenal. and you know that information, yeah, send us an email. Give us a
1: dump on that information so that we can then... Dump it onto the talking Tesla Nation.
3: I wonder if we could actually
0: I wonder if it has to do with what car you buy. I wonder if we could like decode it. I wonder if it's in our VINs or something like mm. oh. I bet you there's something super easy. Like your first they're VIN. not all they can't be they can't be VIN related because you can get one without buying a car.
1: Yeah, it has nothing to do with my first Tesla's uh number. It was twelve eight. Anyway,
0: so we should call so yes, if you're listening and you work for Tesla, I mean we have a lot of different, more important questions to ask you, but that's a pretty, that's a pretty softball. uh, How do you, how do you come up with our, our referral codes of Laney 9300, L-A-I-N-I 9300. And if
1: you want to meet up with some other Tesla folks, join a Tesla club, go to tesla.com slash support slash owners club and pick a club, have some fun, the LA club is going to have a get together. We're going to announce it soon. It'll be mid-November. It's going to be at the Santa Monica Tesla store. Tom, you should come out. So it's going
0: to be in person. Yeah, it is. It's going to be in person. Do, do you guys not? Do you guys not read the news?
1: Well, you can get together as long as you have a mask on and you're not in a very tight space. Yeah, you can. But really, should you? Well. Some people need some things to do, Tom. They can't just sit at home all the are time. Are you an anti-masker? Is,
0: oh, my God. This is why we're in this freaking mess, dude.
1: <laughs> like They're anti-maskers. That's what they
3: are.
0: Uh, no, well, we're not going to say that they're anti-maskers. No. They're lovely, wonderful Tesla people, and I'm sure they'll wear their masks, but there's still, again, anyways. Let's end this show and not give me an aneurysm, please. Thank you very much. Good night,
1: people. Drop the mic now. Buh-bye.